Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Chad? Chad? Chad Cow, what up? How's it going? How's it going, guys? Sorry, I'm a little bit late to the party here. All good, just getting going. Don't mind me, just writing some code. <laughs> nice. Surely nothing important. <laughs> 63 people in here already. What's the what's the largest space we've ever had? I think it's like two fifty. I want to say. Yeah, that sounds about right. I I don't know when that might have been though. Maybe around Terra. I feel like we might have had those those kinds of numbers. Yeah, probably makes sense. I remember. I forget if it was this space or another space, but it might have been like during the Terra collapse. I think we had like six or eight hundred once. Oh, crazy! But I don't remember if it was the Thorchain Weekly or if it was a different space, but. We'll see what kind of numbers we post today. I think uh, I think this will be the biggest in a while. You know, it's funny that like it, it kind of should be right because like you know we're just we've been performing so well as a project, right? Everything's been like all the numbers are up, everything's going well. Arguably, we're in a better place today. Not arguably, we certainly is, are definitively in a better place today than we were, you know, at those moments. And we've got the best spaces on Twitter, and we've been consistent. All right, let, let, consistent in quotes. I'm doing air quotes. We're, we're being consistent about it for uh, like at least two years now. We've been doing these these spaces, so it's like maybe not. We don't do it obviously every single week, but like uh, we do. We have not ever stopped doing them at any point. I I think maybe at the at the lowest cadence, maybe we we skipped like two weeks in a row or something like that. Right, right. I think it's about right. That qualifies as consistent in my book. Yeah, yeah, we're we're good. It's not like we need to catch up every single week. There's always stuff going on. So, but totally. But I do I do miss that that season of just spaces absolutely popping off. So I'm excited for crypto Twitter to get back into full swing, hopefully, and have just like impromptu spaces whenever people feel like it, and see the community popping up spaces. Like that's how you and I, Cow, like even got into this in the first place. So. I'm excited to see like that kind of be the the energy on 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 Twitter again, you know. Yeah, back back in the day, I was just like, I just DM'd Chad Theron. I was like, hey, we should do Twitter Spaces, <laughs> and then we just started doing them, and uh, yeah, and then and this thing started, and it kind of like turned the the other spaces into this, just kind of merged them. But now we just talk about like all the stuff that's going on with uh, with Orchain, so people can actually get up to speed. Let's go. I mean, it's been a really boring week, so I'm not sure we have anything to talk about. But <laughs> did the so we, we remember we so that that's that live stream we did earlier this week. That was that was legendary. Uh, that's that, that that's one of those moments that I'm gonna remember for a long time for sure. We were doing a live stream while uh, Rune hit six dollars. Chad six dollar live stream. <laughs> that, that was just amazing. We had Pluto up in there, uh, dude. The most. Yeah. So I just popped in and Pluto starts pulling up tractors for sale. <laughs> like, what is, what is going on here? He was, like, he was adamant. He really wanted to show us his tractors. He was like, Give me, yeah. like let, let me share. Let me screen share. I'm going to screen share. I'm going to show my tractors. I'm just like, he's just, uh, he's feeling good about those paper gains and, you know, figured he'd splurge on a new tractor, I guess. I guess so. That's what you know, we all do here. So it you know, seems he's reasonable. Gonna, he's going to blow his rune load on a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny like imagine like some point in the distant future 
Rune hits like something crazy, like a thousand dollars. And then we just like, remember that day when we had a live stream for six bucks? That was the day. <laughs> Dude, if that happens, I'll buy a tractor. <laughs> I have no use for a tractor. I'll buy a tractor. Just put like, just deck it out in like Thor chain, like oh. <laughs> wrap how, it in like mint green. <laughs> how else are you going to get around your, your mansion? I mean, the tractors is the only way to go, isn't it? Yeah. I'll build some like underground bunker using the tractor or something. To protect all the ledgers. <laughs> you turn into like a, a doomsday prepper. Chad Thoreau with a shovel and a tractor just digging in case of the zombie apocalypse. Dude, swap volumes are just have been absolutely insane the past like week or two. So, we, I mean, we've pretty much for the last month been at 100 million daily for swap volume for the whole exchange. And just this last week it's been like three like 300 million dollar a day has been like the slow day i think it's another 400 plus uh today like it, it's just like yeah, pretty insane like I, I even just thinking about this happening like a couple months ago is like you know that would have been like the record day and now it's pretty it's here every single day and we're not even in like the full bull market yeah, these numbers are gonna um, are gonna go even further. Of course, like we are about, we do about half the volume of pancake swap. Pancake swap's number two decks. We're number three now, so we gotta like double our numbers to to kind of surpass or equate uh, pancake swap. But the here's like here's the kicker that that people don't really quite realize is that pancake swap and Uniswap the and like it's the same thing with Curve. Like Curve's got like one point seven billion in and TVL. Uniswap's got about three and a half. Pancakeswap's about one and a half. We're at about like three hundred million in our in our TVL. So that's about like you know one fifth or one sixth of you know Curve or Pancakeswap. Which means that when ETH's price change right by some amount, whatever the hell that, that amount is, it takes a lot more liquidity and a lot more trade volume for the ARBs to ARB the ETH trade, like because ETH went up one percent or down percent. Versus on third chain, it takes a lot less because our pool is a lot, a lot more, a lot less shallow by like a fifth or so, right? So like, we are at a strong disadvantage in terms of trade volume to those other guys because we have one fifth the TVL they do. So inherently, just if we just like a magically waved a, wand, a magic wand and we had the same TVL as Pancake Swap, just like today magically, we would probably be having so much more, more than double the volume just just from ARB alone, not even including organic trades and these kinds of things right and to think about that even thinking that like a step further like the tdl of the network inherently increases with the runes price because runes and was one of the assets in all of the pools right so when runes price pumps some our bot comes in and he puts in bitcoin and he takes out rune and he's kind of like pumping up the, the pools up that way just from the value increasing on one side so it's just like it's a natural thing to occur like without anything happening without any more integrations without any more like you know, new chains added without like not, nothing new can pop on our, on our stuff, and we will surpass PancakeSwap like just through natural price appreciation of Rune. It's just gonna like to me, it's like an inevitability as long as nothing, no black swan events, something fucking crazy happens. But it's just like we are so poised to become in the number two slot, and number three, we are. I'm sorry, number one, we are about one tenth the volume of Uniswap. So we got about we got we, we got a ten x from where we are now. Which, to be honest, like we should easily surpass that, in my opinion, like next year. Like maybe not in twenty, 
not in 2023, but 2024, we should, we should definitely be able to pass that and become the number one fucking DEX in crypto, which would be amazing. Yeah, incredible. Do you know, do you guys remember like, like how down is Uniswap's volume from its peak? Like if, if, if Thorchain is a 10x to Uniswap currently, like is where was Uniswap and compared to previous Uniswap, if anyone yeah, knows? Well, they do 1 billion daily now. I, was it maybe 10 billion before? I'm actually not really sure where it was. At. I'm sure there's a dashboard you can look at historical volumes. Yeah, that'd yeah. be my guess. I don't remember. Yeah, we should be able to do that as well, I think, as a protocol. Like, if they, another way to think about it is that, like, Uniswap just basically does Ethereum and, and, and shitcoins. That's what it trades more or less all day, right? And we have, we have the most important trade pair in crypto, one that has the highest volume by far. That is both Bitcoin to stable and uh, Bitcoin to ETH. Like, those are the highest trade pairs by volume by, like, at least 5 or 10x anything else. So it's just like we are positioned to do things. We are the only pair that does that, right? You're yeah. That was the first thing. That was the first thing that ever hooked me on Thorchain, and and still to this day is the most compelling thing out of all the crazy things that have happened. It's like, you know, you look at the you look at the top ten. You look at number one, Bitcoin. Number two, ETH. It's like, okay, I like those. I want to trade them. I can go to Binance, <laughs> uh, or there's only one Dex that can actually handle that swap with the actual native assets. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, it's hard to imagine it not over time having more volume than like, you know, the not biggest assets, right? Like the, the biggest, the biggest trading pairs are still, you know, BTC, USDT, BTC, USDC, ETH. So that's what Thorchain is kind of all about is like stringing together the quote unquote incompatible chains and allowing a DEX between them. So we just hit um, the all-time high for Bitcoin custodied by the network just like, you know, a couple of days ago, maybe even yesterday. Uh, someone noticed it. So it was, the last record was about 1,200 uh, Bitcoin custodied. And that was last, like, March, April-ish. And now we're at, like, 1,350 uh, total coins. So it's, like, I mean, it's pretty crazy when you think about, like, you know, how much we've, we, there, how much potential there is to still grow. Um, especially like, so what, what's happening right now with, with yields, I just kind of want to go into this for a second. Cause I think this is pretty interesting. So as Rune goes up in price, that means the network becomes over bonded because there's less Rune in the pools. There's more Rune in the node. So it's, the network's essentially over secured. So what it does is it shifts the rewards to the LPs and it gives them, more rewards. And then as the synth utilization goes down, because rune price is going up in relation to Bitcoin, that also puts more yield to savers too. So like savers, I mean, I don't know if you guys have checked the yields today or like any time in the past couple of weeks. So, so not only is swap volume like at all time highs, but more of the rewards are going to liquidity providers right now because rune is up so much and it's doing some crazy things to savers yields and uh and lp yields obviously you should take dual lp yields with a grain of salt but savers yields those are like that's the past seven days of performance annualized to a year so like obviously um you know you should that's with you know current conditions and and everything like that but like it's th those numbers are insane i think i saw seven percent on on bitcoin today and it, it, like to be clear this is at like two or three percent before which is still a great rate for obviously being able to get yield against your native bitcoin 
But with the volumes this past week and the the pendulum uh, giving extra yields to LPs rather than nodes, LP yield is just up across the board. Node yield is down because room price is up. So that's kind of what's going on right now and why yields are just so crazy high. That's epic. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. It's pretty nuts. Like some of these figures are just like absurd, right? And it's um, like Bitcoin's at like seven percent, ETH's at sixteen percent. A lot of the, the stable coins are over twenty percent, which is like higher than even Anchor's like artificially inflated system. Litecoin's at fifty percent, BNB's at twelve, you know, Atoms at twenty six percent. And it's so crazy to think that these are so these are so effective. And part of the reason why they're so they're generating so much uh, income. Uh, the yield so high is partially because what I mentioned earlier, but our TVL being so small relative to everybody else, like we have one fifth or one sixth the TVL of these similarly volumed exchanges like PancakeSwap and, and, and Curve, but yet we have a lot less mouths to feed in a matter of speaking. So like each mouth is actually getting a lot more food than you would with like, you know, a PancakeSwap or, or, or Curve, whatever, because there's just less, less mouths to, to feed with all this, you know, food coming in, matters, in metaphorically speaking. So it's just like, it is it is actually real yield that is like extraordinarily high at this moment. And it's not going to stay that way. Don't get me wrong. Like, maybe people will start LPing in and save, like, depositing large quantities of savers and that will, you know, level things off to be more, right. more, more reasonable. But for right now, it, it's, it's going to, it's yeah. massively high and it's probably going to stay that way for, I'm going to guess, at least a few months, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, that is the flywheel or the liquidity black hole we always talk about, right? It's like if, if volumes keep up or if volumes continue trending up, then that means the yields are going to be super enticing. And then that's what pulls in more liquidity. And then that makes swap rates even better, faster, all of that. So seeing it yeah. kind of, seeing, yeah. Yeah, even just the other week, that huge $6 million wrap Bitcoin to Bitcoin trade that we saw, like on our big, on our highest volume day ever, which was on, uh, was that either Saturday or Sunday uh, last week? So we saw this $6 million wrap Bitcoin trade. And you look at the wrap Bitcoin pool size, it's only 4 million, <laughs> it's only 4 million deep. So someone put through uh, like 150% of the pool's entire depth and it turned over within the day for execution in uh, 50 basis points plus door swap affiliate fee. That's one trade. Yeah, that's that's absolutely nuts. Like that's completely unheard of uh, in, in like AMM land. Like it's, it's completely unreasonable. Like if you think that capital, the capital efficiency of concentrated liquidity is really good, concentrated liquidity cannot even come close to touching what that what that's Bitcoin uh, WBDC swapper actually did, and uh, it's, it's actually one of the things I want to touch upon. I'm interviewing tomorrow with with Bankless, which is going to be a really fun uh, podcast with uh, me and Eric Voorhees are doing it together, and that's one of the topics I want to I want to touch upon to kind of like blow away the Ethereum community of like what makes your AMM different. We'll be like, well, we just kicked ass with a six million dollar trade for like forty five bips. That's how it's fucking different. <laughs> Yeah.
Yeah, dude, it, it's crazy. And just LP, you know, like LPs have been making a lot off of the rune uptake also, because, partially because of synth leverage. So like, that's something we talked about before, especially like when prices are down, that means that LPs give value to the savers, right? Um, but when rune price is up, then that value goes back into the LPs. So that's why LPs have just been performing like absolute crazy. So not only does the incentive pendulum shift more in their favor, but they get more of the yield. And uh, yeah, they, they're with volumes up, they just, they, they take in a majority of the liquidity fees for every single swap and doing 400 million a day in swaps. I think L, the, the highest volume day, uh, LPs took in almost half million in, in fees. So, and, and that's, that's pretty much uh, a lot of the reason why um, it's just so effective, the, the slip-based fees and actually the offsetting uh, impermanent loss too, which is something that we should probably go into too, about uh, getting rid of impermanent loss protection for the future. Yeah, that's another uh, kind of a hot, hot topic these days. One of the more uh, controversial debates we've been having in our community for a while. Yeah, let's get into it. So the so the nodes started to uh, to vote and to get rid of an uh, impermanent loss protection, and the reason for that is that there's no more impermanent loss. That there there is no. Uh, I, I believe the entire um, exposure from the reserve is something like seventy thousand rune or less. Almost all of it is in the fox pool, uh, which is a you know fairly illiquid. Uh, pool that doesn't see a lot of trade volume. So every single productive pool on DoorChain has uh, zero impermanent loss since any any liquidity provider that's still around today um, does not have any impermanent loss besides, I think, like one or two people in that Fox pool, which, you know, barely does any volume, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, uh, the node's starting to vote. Yep. One of the important things is like impermanent loss protection has already been turned off for uh, everybody and we in the network is grandfathered in anybody who was LP before that moment. So it's been almost a year. I think we I think we did that back in February. I want to say so we're we're a few months short, but it's been relatively close to a to a year of of grandfathered people to get imperma, continued impermanent protection during uh, the bear market. Yep, exactly. So it was already removed for new LPs. Now it, this will just extend it to, to everybody. So effectively, what this means is like if you're a dual LP and you want permanent loss protection, then uh, it's not something that's that'll be offered anymore if the vote passes, which it's it's very likely to. Uh, basically, the, the vote was ongoing, and then since there was you know pushback in the community, and obviously there there should be like a a big notice period where people can make a decision to withdraw. But right now, no one has any ILP uh, impermanent loss anyway. So that's why it's being removed like at this time. Uh, so if that's something that if you don't, if, you, if that's like a deal breaker, then you should withdraw your LP and consider like, going to savers or, you know, just doing something else. Uh, I think that's, that's the, there's pretty much the options of what to do uh, if you're in LP and, yeah, I, things have changed a lot for LPs since the network started, especially with synths and savers. Uh, and LPs gain more yield because of, of synths, but they also take on the risks, the price risk of synths and savers. So because so many things have changed with uh, just new dynamics coming onto the network with LPs, it definitely makes more sense to 
uh, tone down risk because ILP is an un it is a potential potentially unbounded risk for the future, and also just is more egalitarian for all uh, for all LPs, essentially making it so uh, before if you added liquidity to your ILP position, then you'd you'd get it removed. And uh, yeah, oh, one more point that I kind of wanted to make about this is that it only really like this only really affects anybody in in my mind at least if your plan is to take ILP if you're a long term LP which is already proven to be a very uh profitable product because of all the volumes that are going through Thorchain um it's just important to remember that like if you want to withdraw and realize ILP which is kind of why the coin ILP was termed because you can just wait it out and then hopefully gain enough fees terribly named term but the the point is that when you withdraw, if you're realizing losses, those losses shouldn't be socialized upon every other LP and stakeholder in the network. Instead, if you want to withdraw and realize losses rather than just wait wait out the bad times, then they're they're your losses to realize. So I think that's kind of like my takeaway from from ILP is just you know we're kind of past that phase of the network where we really need to protect it like it, in the future if lps you know want to stay obviously it's at their own risk and they have to if they choose to withdraw during a time when they have a permanent loss then that's their own risk and if they you don't want that risk then you should go to uh savers which is the uh you know has principle i wouldn't say principal protection but uh you're not experiencing impermanent loss in that way because you're not dual LPing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it, to me, this is like not a big deal, personally. Just the way I personally view it is it, it's that like we set up ILP initially to kind of uh, reduce the friction for people to become LPs in the network and try to get the liquidity up and the trade volume up and all that kind of stuff to help kind of bootstrap the network in some sense. And since we launched our Savers product where um, you can get you know yield without uh, – uh, I, being exposed to IL, the need for ILP is kind of basically gone away, or, or, or for the most part. Um, and unlike other protocols, like you know Bancor, for example, who really rugged this feature and just like ripped it up from underneath everybody, uh, all of a sudden, just like instantaneous without anybody being being aware of it. Um, you know this this protocol has stood by the LPs through the toughest time through the bear market and didn't didn't rug it then right it didn't like pull out that feature then and waited until everybody was on the level everybody you know is has you know no il or very close to no il and, and so it kind of waited for the opportune time to do it so um to me this is kind of a, a, a non-issue yeah totally agree just because if you're a long-term lp the, the only people that i so this is the way i'm thinking about it the only people that benefit from impermanent loss protection are those that choose to withdraw and realize a loss. And in that case, the loss is socialized upon every single other uh, liquidity provider, which, you know, to me, that's like, that's, uh, it's a different risk profile than any other thing. Obviously, it's great for, for that LP, but it actually incentivizes you to withdraw during the worst possible time when there's impermanent loss, rather than just keeping you around and uh, you can realize uh, a profit rather than a a loss, as long as the fees offset the impermanent loss that you're experiencing. 
So it's really just about, you know, removing, removing risk. And then if an LP wants to realize their own loss, they realize their own loss and not everybody else covers that LP's loss. So yeah, people want to, uh, oh yeah, I brought up RSGB. I know Kenton requested uh, if he wants to come up here or anybody else uh, that wants to, you know, say a piece on this. Uh, just be aware. And uh, it's just like, it's just notification letting letting people know that ILP is going away if you're, if you're grandfathered in. If you're not, it's no big deal. If you're never planning on withdrawing your Thorchain LP or are not going to do it until, you know, whatever time or, or price, then, uh, you know, it's not something that you need to worry about, really. So RSGB, you have anything? Also, uh, crypto, Pcray. Yes, thank you so much for 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 allowing me to come up here. I, I had a question. I'm, I'm pretty new to the, this whole entire space, um, but um, if my understanding is correct, the, the, the Thor chain uh, is built on the Cosmos SDK. So, um, does that mean? Like if you guys were to launch some sort of uh, uh, the, the, if you were to partake in the IBC, then you would we would be able to have some connection with the Cosmos ecosystem. Do I have that right? Well, Thorchain actually does. We, we have a, an Atom pool on Thorchain. So Atom's one of the chains that are connected to Thorchain's AMM. So you can use Thorchain to trade Bitcoin to Atom, Atom to, to Rune or any other uh, chain that Thorchain is connected to. So Thorchain is built using uh, using Cosmos SDK, uh, one of the oldest Cosmos SDK chains, and yeah, we don't we don't use IBC, uh, and I don't think it's like something that we're really looking at at doing. But uh, we're already definitely connected to Cosmos through Cosmos Hub. Okay, and then my other question was if you can just uh, shed some light on um, what the team is doing to to um, uh, to, to 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 bring Soul uh, into 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 Thorchain. Uh, there's no current work going on with with adding Soul. Soul is a very complicated one to add, just because one, it would be our first EDDSA chain, which is a specific kind of like, um, for lack of a better term, encryption uh, algo. You can call it that. Um, than every other chain we've ever used. Most chains are like Bitcoin or EDSA, so it would require a bunch of work for official signatures to support this new like type of cryptography. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is, is that like Solana is like running a full node of Solana is extremely expensive. Like I think it's like 256 gigabytes of RAM is required just on one of these nodes. Like these things are massive beasts. And because of that, it would just, it would cause a lot of operational costs to our validators for everyone to run their own copy of a full node of uh, Solana. Um, so there's a lot of cost to it, right? Not just to us as developers to kind of build that out, but also a lot of cost to the validators to support it and to run it. And then the question becomes like, well, are we going to get, you know, enough TVL, enough trade volumes, enough interact uh, activity with the Solana team in general to warrant all that cost, warrant all that investment? And that becomes the debate, right? I think I was actually talking to Anatoly today on uh, on the Twitterverse. Um, and he and I mentioned, you know, getting them on, they getting them at Solana Labs on board and such. And uh, you know, I explained to him what we're looking for in order to add a new chain. At least what I'm looking for to add a new chain more specifically, and that's just to make sure that the other team, the, in Solana in this case, 
is you know they're down to, to to connect right that they're that they're willing to invest you know um capital from their treasury to the pools to kind of create that initial liquidity that they're willing to do some kind of cross-pollination um marketing with uh, twitter and other places as well that they're willing to integrate um their wallets and their dexes into thorchain so that you know we can maximize the uh the effectiveness of you know adding that kind of chain if another chain like Solana doesn't want to do all that, and it's not interested in actually really working with us and, you know, and getting on the same page, then to me, it's just like, it'd be a huge waste of time and money to, to integrate them. It would just be, wouldn't yield any kind of trade value. Yeah, another angle to that is interfaces might be able to string this together through through aggregation. So, for example, ThorSwap was looking at adding Stargate and uh, getting all the EVMs. And I believe that there might be a way to do that with Solana over time. Uh, like I know there's, I think, Neon, that's like an EVM on Solana. And there might be solutions there that obviously that's not the same as it being on ThorChain itself. Uh, like you wouldn't have savers, you wouldn't have liquidity pooling. Uh, you know, it'd probably be using bridges on the back end, but you might be able to create the same user experience for for swapping, which would like I think for most of us that's kind of kind of the key. So, uh, yeah, I'm also rooting for that. I, I I'm always getting stranded trying to go back and forth from Thorchain supported uh, chains and and Solana. It's like the biggest headache ever. So hope we see something there. I agree with you. Um, I'll I'll step down and listen. I just wanted to ask one other thing. Uh, again, b- back to this uh, bringing Solana into uh, into Thorchain. Um, you had mentioned uh, <clears throat> that the node would be very expensive or, or whatever. Uh, it's, it's my understanding that when they launch Fire Dancer, uh, it's going to be much more affordable. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that's one thing that Pluto pointed out before. Uh, Tiny Dancer and Fire Dancer. I wonder what you think about those, Chad. I don't know. I, I don't know too much about Fire Dancer. I know that Tiny Dancer is supposed to be kind of like a light client for Solana. So I don't know whether in your mind that, you know, fits the security requirements of, you know, what we would need for any chain integration or whether, um, I don't even know exactly what Fire Dancer is, whether it's just a, a slightly less resources resource intensive, uh, Damon. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it. I think I think the the big selling point around Fire Dancer is that they they say that you can do uh, six hundred to one million transactions per second on a Fire Dancer, you know, blockchain, which is a lot. Like I think you know even Twitter is probably you know like three hundred thousand or something like this. So it's it's a it's a very large throughput, and I think I think maybe that community is excited about that because it opens up. You know opportunities for new applications to exist on Fire Dancer that that can't exist on, you know, um, you know, AVAX or, or or something that is like less than that. Um, I don't know if that's actually true or not. It's kind of to me that just feels like hopium. Like I always have a pet peeve around like there's too much energy being focused on building, you know, open platforms. People can deploy you know smart contract or something similar to it, and and just thinking that deploying the platform will be valuable but platforms with you know jack shit unless somebody else builds a smart contract that other people are willing to you know use or get value out of so i, I don't know I'm, I'm not really bullish on the idea of any any of these chains that are like yeah we're super fast we we have this vanity metric of x tps it just it, it doesn't impress me at all uh but my my personal feelings aside uh i think fire answer uh I don't know the, the metrics of like what the recommend, recommended um, uh, computational like power you need to run something like that. 
but if it's less than the size now, it's obviously a win for not just us, but for them as a, as a project. And we can kind of look at that. But again, I don't care how inexpensive, you know, a, a light client is or a full, a full mode is for any chain. If they're not willing to work with us and kind of, you know, uh, operate with us hand in hand and, and kind of like get their community engaged and on board with uh, integrating ThorChain, then I just, it's just, to me, it just seems like a big waste of time. Sweet. Uh, Zook, what's up? Hey guys, long time no see. Um, I'm considering being a liquidity provider on ThorChain, a um, dual sided LP, but I've heard on, um, other podcasts that um, apparently on most DEXs, it's um, not profitable to LP because of MEV and arbitrage trade. So I'd like to know if on Torchain, LP profits are reduced because of MEV or arbitrage trades. Thank you. Yeah, so the reason why being an LP on most AMMs isn't all that profitable, and there's generally three reasons why this is the case. Uh, one is MEV, because MEV extracts value from, from the trader. So what you would normally get as, as yield, MEV sandwich attacks that particular trade and like kind of rugs the yield from that that swap from, from going to the LPs and it goes to the MA, like the, the MEV you know, attack bot, right? That's the, that's the first thing. Second thing is um, concentrated liquidity, while it makes the trades more um, uh, have better price execution, it's it kind of centralizes this, the yield to a, to a handful of people in a sense. Those who are you know mathematicians who can run our infrastructure and you know this kind of stuff that they end up just most of the yield is concentrated to them. It's not not just concentrated liquidity; it's also concentrated yield. And so for most people, they, they because they're you know they're not running infrastructure and servers, they don't know how to write code in Python or whatever it is. They just can't have the resources to do you know to do it properly, and they just do it passively, and then they just basically they get almost no yield, and they just exposed to IL all the time, and they just mostly the time at at a loss. That's kind of the other um, the other component to it. And then the last reason why is because a lot of AMMs um, highly fracture uh, fractalize or well, fractalize. That's the right word there fractures the liquidity of these assets because they have, you know, 30 different pools with ETH in them, right? And and the pool that gets all the trades, it, it changes and it depends upon, you know, a lot of different things. And so like, ends up kind of like, which pool you enter, you may not get much trading at all because it's all the ETH trades are going on in different pools, right? And with uh, Uniswap V4 and their hooks concept, they may even go even more extreme in, the, in, the, in, in, um, in doing that in the sense of like, now you have pools that are that are, have the same assets, but they have different hooks that do different things. And so now you even more, you're, you're fractionizing liquidity across more pools, which didn't even make it, you know, potentially, um, you know, even less uh, of an income. So what makes ThorChain though different in the sense that we, we don't do that. We only have one pool per asset. So everything's going through one single pool and you don't need a kind of pick a horse to win to win the win the win the race in a sense uh that's one thing we two is we do not have uh, any of that kind of net like you cannot sandwich attack on thorchain for example to take yield from others and three uh you know i personally just really dislike concentrated liquidities we never we never did it uh i'd rather just have people be able to lp passively and be able to kind of like get that passive income by being an lp that way and not worry about oh i gotta run infrastructure blah blah blah, blah. 
have all the additional overhead and, and complexity. That's just not a good way for, for LPs to, to like operate in general, I'd say. For specific people who are very bright and very you know capable, then maybe it's great for them, but that's not, that's not what most people are really able to do. So I, I think Fortune is quite different. And I'll, in, not to mention the yield right now is you know off the hook crazy right now. So it's, it's quite profitable. Great, thanks for your response. You're welcome. Hey, Kenton, what's up? Finally got to work. All right, thanks, guys. Um, you obviously know how I feel about things. I'm, but I'm curious why why such if this, if canceling ILP is such a great idea, why the extreme lack of communication? Well, like, why not talk about it? Why not, you know? This is why this is good and blah blah blah. But you know, any dissent, anybody who disagrees, is met with bullying and dismissiveness. Um, and it's like there's no communication on Twitter. It's like it's like it's a very hush hush thing. Like don't talk about it. We're just doing this and sneaking it by. Ken, we're we're talking about it, my friend. <laughs> What's why you're up? Well, because we're, we're talking about it. Only talking about because it there's been, been pushback. Like the nodes are unhappy. Just push this through and be done. Um, you know, it's. It just it just reeks like what's what the crazy part is is like what is there to hide? There's nothing to hide. Like I actually kind of don't disagree with you guys. It's not a bad idea, but if it's explained and discussed and openly, that yeah, you know this is okay. Or we're going to do this, but the fact that it's just being like done in like secret, it seems like um, it just raises all kinds of questions. Kevin, it's not possible to do anything in secrecy on this project. It's literally impossible to do anything in secrecy. Everything has to be out public. We have, we made the biggest announcement we can possibly make, which is that mainnet you know announcement channel, which is like the most important announcement channel that we have as a project. And we talk about this community. We created an, an ADR about it. We had a conversation. Blah blah blah. Like like if nodes want to vote, nodes can vote, right? And, and personally, I don't I don't like that we push nodes to like not vote for thirty days. It's like it's a nodes prerogative to vote how and when they want to and it's not really my place or anybody else's place to tell a node don't vote for something like wait two weeks or a week that's just not sure but to me that's not a not appropriate but like nodes in the ends nodes can just do things without even saying anything theoretically right of course but like not but nothing can be done secret the nodes are managing a business all right a brand a community right so they can just go do whatever they want sure but they could wreck their business by just doing, you know, some rash actions that really upsets the community. Um, yeah. And I think that's why that they took the time to not just push it through and actually like listen to what people were saying. Cause like, yeah, they, uh, air Pluto's request they come up to, but, um, yeah, I mean, I know it's no signaled one thing and then obviously there's pushback and then they're like, all right, well, we need to chill off a little bit and, uh, you know, make sure that there's some adequate notice. Well, so, like usually when you guys talk about feet, like, so I'm an outsider, right? I'm not part of the boys club. I'm not in the inner circle. What attracted me to Thorchain was how open the communication was. Like the disclosure, the, the explanations, like the deprecating rune, you know, like, I'm like, man, these guys are like, you know, the hacks explaining everything. Um, and I'm like, well, this is really good. I can, I cannot know anybody. And I can read all this stuff and I can learn and get up to your speed. I thought this is fantastic. This is great. This is a great brand. This is being consistent. Um, I, I follow all of the channels. You know, I follow you guys on Twitter. I'm up to speed on Discord, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and I've not seen any chatter 
about canceling ILP, just like came out of the blue. And then within eight hours, 55 nodes are for it. And the impression I get is there's a select few people talking behind the scenes who have predetermined this vote and they influence the majority of nodes. Um, which, okay, fine, and doing that. I can't stop that. But it, it really tarnishes the brand. You know, it's, it's you know, it's really off-putting. And, when, and, when, and so I feel like something's trying to be snuck by and we're being bullied into this vote. It really, you know, sets me back. What's going on here? What, you know, what are they? And, and the, the screwed up thing about us all, it's like a millionaire trying to steal a chocolate bar. Like, is ILP really going to be an issue going forward? Like, I think reality is it's not, you know? So like, and then that gets me wondering, what's the big risk? Like, why do we have to just push this through and be done with it? without talking about it. Um, and that's also makes, makes me get paranoid. Well, what, what am I missing? Why, what is going on here? So that's, that's where I'm coming from. Maybe you can help, help. Kenton, Kenton, I think the point is that you're literally not missing anything. It's all out there in the open. It's in the discord channels. You've been, you've been an active member of those discussions and, and they've been going, I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds of messages in the thread. So to say that anyone's trying to sneak anything by in the back room, like, if that were the case, we wouldn't have asked anything. We wouldn't hear anything. The vote would have just passed. That's not what's happening. We, we, we heard the feedback from the community. I personally asked nodes like, and again, I agree with Chad here. I don't feel good about asking nodes, hey, wait 30 days to vote. Like instead of voting how you feel right now, do it in 30 days so that we can give the community a chance to react and give a community a chance to disseminate the information. So like, even though I don't feel like that's my place or anyone's place on the protocol to act as a mouthpiece for the protocol or the nodes, I still feel like, okay, that's fair. People want the ability, products downstream, you know, integrators want the ability to message to their customers that ILP is ending. But I don't, I don't understand why you're getting so worked up about this when we haven't heard any of that feedback from actual product teams. ThorSwap hasn't come pushed back on this. None of the none of the people who actually LP'd through interfaces are pushing back on it through the, through the feedback that's going out from integrators. So it's like you're you're sitting here saying, oh, there's backroom things happening when that's not happening. We don't we don't even actually discuss these things. This is something I push for more. I wish I wish there was more coordination. But literally, any anybody in the network can suggest anything and announce anything that they want. I mean, it, it, there's nobody here that has any kind of permissioned ability above anyone else's. Everyone's voices are equal in Discord. So if one member of the core protocol wants to call for a vote and a bunch of nodes vote for that, like that's just their prerogative. That's, that's, their, that's, their, that's their prerogative as stakeholders of the network as ThorChain node operators. And so like, yeah, it's, we, I can hear you and I, I want the best for what the community and I want the communication to be done properly, but that's extremely difficult in decentralized governance. Like if we were actually doing things in the back room, you would just actually, you would have well thought out plans of things, but sometimes people just shoot from the hip and they're like, Hey, I think it's time to end ILP. And some people say, great, you know what? I think you're right. I think it's also time to end ILP. And that's kind of what we see here. So I, I do hear you like needing to not rush this through, but that's literally like exactly what we've done. I asked nodes, stop voting for 30 days to give people a chance to disseminate this information. And I have not seen any new information that would suggest that the, 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 the reasoning for why we wanted to do this behind in the first place, I, I've seen, I haven't seen any pushback from that. So we're going to continue with the vote after 30 days. 
all, all the product teams should have communicated to their users what the impact of this change will be, and we're going to move on. And if you think that things are happening in the background, that you know, like you're just being paranoid. I'm sorry to say it, but that's, right, that's fine. I'm being paranoid. Fair. Um, that's okay. I, I um, think my, reason... my thing is like, why not? Like when, trust me, guys, I've delivered so much bad news in my life. Like I was joking with Cal about it. Like I'm an expert and I know how to do it. When it's always best when it comes from you first, right? If if somebody has to find out bad news on their own first, it makes it 10 times worse. And so if an LP wakes up one day and realizes they don't have the protection and there's been like really zero effort to let them know about it, like they're going to be, they're going to be so mad. And, and, I, and to, that's why and, there's a notice period that's going on right well, now. Like I, I totally get what you're saying. That's come on guys. It's one tweet. <laughs> I've not seen any, anybody, you know, bull who's the most, for this i've not seen him tweet anything about it um but you're mad the independent community people aren't tweeting enough well so i, I what i'm mad about is everyone because who is thorchain bull he's, a, he's an investor in the protocol what, what i'm mad about is everyone is caving to this excuse of decentralization we have a brand you know and there, there is you know the nodes wouldn't exist without the mouthpieces and the mouthpieces wouldn't exist without the nodes and you know it's kind of up to us all kind of work together to make this succeed I agree. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I, I really do think that like, I understand the reason for having a brand. And if you kind of think about it, like car dealerships or equipment dealerships, like you have a relationship with your local dealer that I think is first and foremost above even the brand of the product that you're, that you're buying. You don't have a relationship with Honda corporate or John Deere corporate. Your relationship is with your local dealer that supplies you with your service and your parts. Right. And so that's that's the relationship that matters here. And so in this in this supply chain, Thorchain as a as a protocol, as an entity should not have spokespeople. It should not have, you know, a, even really a support team. Those functions should be on on the actual distributor of the product, which in this case is the DEXs. So if Thorswap is the one handling the relationship with the user or the NLP, that, that's who they have a relationship to. And, and Thorswap should try to use their voice to influence the protocol. Users, use, the protocol should not just say anything because it's, you have to realize that it's impossible for any one of us to act as a spokesman for a decentralized protocol. That's the difficulty here. You're asking us to do something that is not physically possible to, due to the topology of decentralized networks. Well, I, but everybody seems uh, everybody can act together to promote features. Like, okay. uh, why can't everyone act together to promote removing one? And um, that's a good question. That, to, that, that's a that's a good question be, for like a psychologist. You know, people yeah. are going to write books in the future about how you know governance and branding of decentralized protocol like plays out. You know, that's that's an area. And, that I think is fascinating. That's why we're having this debate in an open forum right now. And and again, from the node's point of view, they're managing a business here. Um, I, as a node operator, I would want to I would want to take time on this to have a message crafted to get it out there, because when we keep making changes, like you know we're you know we're reneging on a, on a deal um, right. that lowers but, credibility, and and but, people are going to see that like, well we can't trust any of these features because they're just going to change it a year from now. And but we lose all credibility. Um, so what, why come up I, with all these I agree with you on that. promote them when, I, well, they're just going to change in a year. Um, you know, there's, 
I, I 100% agree with that. I would love to see us not change anything on ThorChain ever again. That's been... Well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not I, trying to say things shouldn't change. No, no, I'm but, um, being 100% serious. Yeah, Pluto said you know, this many, like, it's like many going times. To McDonald's and then all this, you know? It's like going to McDonald's and then, oh, you don't have hamburgers? They have goat's heads now. Oh, yeah, goat heads are great. They're, they're, they're a new thing. Like, that's not why people go to McDonald's. You know, you just... It's so out of left field. Yeah. So, you know, there is, you know... Uh, how do I say this? A reason for nodes to kind of ossify things to to not change things all the time, um, so we get that mass adoption, so we can you know really move forward. I, mean, I, I think agree. we I think we are getting a mass adoption because we change things all the time. To be fair, we are we are where we are because of the innovations and changes we've made, especially over the last like six months or so. So saying we we shouldn't change anything is a little bit. To me, it's premature. Even even Bitcoin's been around for like what, like fourteen years, and it's still making large changes, like Taproot, for example, and Schnorr signatures, and things of that thing. I think we're a bit premature to be to be talking about shutting it all down and and not uh, making any any changes whatsoever. It's a little bit premature. But each individual validator can make their own choices. Like if they want to do what you're saying, you would do if you were a validator and like craft a message and do all these things. They're welcome to do it. They don't want to, they think it's a non a non thing they can not do so right like me as an individual i we talk about adrs you know from time to time sometimes i talk about them publicly and sometimes i don't just to me it depends on whether or not whether i think my voice is helpful in the context of this particular conversation some of these adrs i don't really care much about and then whatever is going to happen is probably fine and it's not it doesn't really require a big conversation and some of them are like highly controversial and requires explanation and these things and i get more engaged and involved in those conversations so like I don't always talk about ADRs publicly, and sometimes I do. And just it's just my it's my you know right to choose how how I want to communicate about ADRs on a personal. Level. And it's the same thing for Thorchain Bull. It's the same thing for Pluto. It's the same thing for Cow or anybody else for that matter. Yeah, let me just, let me just say one thing and let uh, let let Pluto talk a little bit about the ossification point that he likes to make. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, I mean, for me, like, I, I woke up, I saw that the news that there was like vote for um, for this to change, and like, yeah, I, mean, I talked like with all the all the nine realms guys. Like, I I had the same reaction as you. It's like it's just getting getting the word out there for in a decentralized protocol. That means there's so many individual actors. Obviously, people can act completely independently, and if there was some kind of coordinated thing, that's exactly the kind of thing that would require coordination between parties so it's like the thing happened and then there was obviously like hey we should you know wait for more of a, a notice period on this make sure that there's news to to spread on this right and then that's exactly what's happening right now is just like making sure that people are aware and if they you know disagree with their change then to make their voice heard or to you know vote with your wallet so that's really uh you know kind of my thoughts on it it's just individual people that, you know, have to coordinate. And in a, in a public setting, it's it's pretty messy because, you know, any one person's voice, uh, you know, it, it might seem like it's representative of the protocol or anything. Even, you know, this account's voice, there's many different uh, contributors who act behind the scenes and there's all these individuals. That's why this community is so decentralized because there's so many people that uh, need to be out there to spread the word. There's no official account. This is just an account that's used by uh you know the thorchain contributors to spread the word it's it's our biggest mouthpiece but it's no in no means representative of the protocol uh and it's just individuals that act by themselves really so well, i don't want to like dwell on this whole, whole thing too much 
uh, like we got a lot of people here too. So like, if there's other people that want to come up to you and talk about things, so not trying to like brush past this or anything like that, but I don't want to dwell on it either. So yeah, I'm done. I, I said my piece. I can get off. Or you can stay up and talk about another topic. That's fine too. Yeah, for what it's worth, I I do agree with you, Ken. I think that more more like more cooperation and just like trying to streamline communications is 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 definitely a good thing, you know. Like, but I I, I again I like woke up to this vote already underway. You know, it's like some some a a, a contributor, a node operator, and established you know um, member of the core team basically said like let's do this thing you know and at that point it's like okay well the votes already started like you know the the the, the race has started so like you know if, if i could have it my way i i would prefer that you know someone just say like hey let's we want to do this thing like but again it's like how do you how do, how can you even determine whether it's it's proper to communicate that something is ended unless you know like does there have to be some kind of signaling period or whatever i don't know it's it's tough. Decentralized governance is really tough, but I, I agree with you. And and we, we can and will do better next time. And I already did send that person a note, and I you know I said, hey, look, next time we would appreciate some heads up so that we can you know get our ducks in a row with the community before you know before before we even start the vote because the vote might you know might might trigger like some type of you know in, in, you know I don't know. So that, that that's we, that's we're trying there's that. collusion going on because um, yeah. like you said, Pluto, you woke up to it. Oh, you have to digest it and think about it. So you have fifty-five nodes, six yeah, fifty-five nodes in eight hours really thought this through that you know that quickly. Mm. Um, I I call bullshit. They've they've been thinking about it for weeks. Um, you know, it took me. I've been thinking about this for a whole week now and going through all these iterations and everything, and then never coming on that lending realization. Um, I really tried to think this through the different scenarios and I'm like, I, can't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why they're doing this. Do they think the room price is going to crash? Is it going to moon? Like what's, what's the reasoning here? Um, and there's no way people thought that through within eight hours. Um, if they didn't have probably a lot of people had known that like, you know, impermanent loss exposure from ILP, you know, from impermanent loss protection was something that is a liability to the protocol. And, you know, when the, when the actual exposure trends to zero, like that, that's a good time to get rid of it. So maybe there was, you know, a cabal of node operators that were just waiting for, you know, the, the rune exposure to drop before, you know, before proposing this. I'm not in the heads of all the node operators. Pluto, it seems come on, man. Do not, do not say there's some cabal of anything when you definitively know that's not the fucking case. I know there's it's not the case. Okay, then why are you saying that there might have been a cabal? You know that's not fucking true. Don't oh. be throwing shit out there. <laughs> come on, man. You can't. Did I say? Did I say that there was? I said I just don't. I'm I'm just saying that you don't know who wanted something at what time. People have independent preferences for doing things, and the fact that. Right. But don't say the word cabal because that insinuates that like. Oh, it there's de some there is definitely not. secretive group of people who are communicating in the background. Blah 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 blah. blah. That's definitely not the fucking case at all. No it's just that like. That. Well, that you suggest that there might be a quote cabal. So I just want to make sure we don't misconstrue things and, and people. Okay. Anyway, moving on. What you got, Chatero? You want to you want to talk about something? Yeah, I wanted to ask about the outbound queue. So obviously, volumes are like 
10x what they were two months ago. One of the downsides of that is that some of the security features to keep funds, you know, safe and keep X amount flowing out per hour or whatever, are basically being like maxed out at the current volumes, uh, leading to even, uh, you know, I'm seeing $500, $2,000 swaps taking an hour or two. So um, I know that has to do with the the confirmation counting that can be adjusted as well as just uh, tuning down the the um, the outbound delay and, and stuff like that. But yeah, kind of just curious, uh, Chad, Pluto, everyone's thoughts on like what is the potential game plan to to fix that and just kind of improve the the UX if if this is going to be the the new standard for volume and and hopefully further like you know what's the solution there to get to get swap times back down yeah so um what's in the works right now and it will be in uh, probably 125 our next release which is about a week from today um we're interested in this thing called swap cloud uh or swapper cloud rather that that basically um, reduces the wait time basically for for people that are like heavily have a heavy history of trading on the on the protocol. And so this is this is primarily our bots and this kind of thing. And so that will uh, we did some analysis on like how how much of a reduction in time this would be, and and it ranges. But for the most part, we're seeing like you know 80, 90, uh, eight, pretty much between like eighty and ninety percent reduction most of the time when you have a large queue. So I think once that comes out in version 125, we'll we'll see how that kind of like pans out. But it should have a significant decrease in the in the delayed outbound for uh, transactions that are waiting to be signed. So any adjustments just to like the basic like I don't know how to phrase it like the uh, just like the mechanisms that have already been in place like just uh, how the whole like X funds per per hour, however it's set, or is it, is Swapper Cloud just going to be like the main solution there? Or is that going to be sufficient? I, so I, I think what we should do is we should go with Swapper Cloud because it's just a much more kind of like a smarter way to apply the delayed outbound. And then once we've deployed that and we see how effective it is, if we feel like it's, it's you know, it works well enough on its own, we don't have to do anything more than we can just leave it at that. If we find that there's still like, you know, uh, significant delays or problems or whatever it is, then we can have another conversation about like tweaking the, um, the, um, uh, the delayed outbound mathematics to, to increase the, 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 um, you know, the amount that yeah. it allows out in a sense, which, which by the way, would also be an ADR, which would also, you know, be a vote that people would do and, and know the operators would do and, and they'll execute that trade, that vote whenever they, you know, feel like they are ready to, to vote. Yeah, I think kind of like uh, like safe listing ARBs like that, that. That makes a lot of sense. I guess the concern would just be no safe list. Well, not like maybe that's the wrong term. I don't know. I just I don't know if that's an official term. I that's not. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just made that up. <laughs> uh, but uh, what I was going to say is just like you know the the small the shrimp like the new person like Thorchain's getting a lot of attention. I've got you know friends asking how to use ThorSwap and stuff, and then. They're like, oh shit! It's been two hours. What's going on? And um, you know, that's just not a great like first time or newbie experience. So, like, I would hope that there's kind of a something to to alleviate like that as well, and not just like the the whale like you know thousand swap uh, arbs. Yeah. So well, yeah, swap so- cloud. Yeah. So, so Chad, like what you were gonna say, swap or cloud um, will decrease the. Uh, 
this the count of people who have a lot of trade volume in the network. So they've spent a ton of fees in the network, aka the biggest ARBs. Their times won't be counted against the uh, the outbound queue to get out. Uh, and they'll just get out, they'll get out really quick. So in turn, that actually reduces it for everybody because their volume isn't uh, counted yeah. at all uh, towards the um, towards the whole thing. So in, in that case, it should uh, drastically lower it. Right. And if it that doesn't, makes, okay, it, it cool. could be ad yeah. adjusted. But the the other thing that you could do, um, which we which um, is definitely a good idea, is just raising the bug bounty. Because the reason why the uh, the outbound queue is set at like you know 300k rune or whatever. Basically, if there's 300k rune scheduled to go out at any time, you wait an hour, no matter what, no matter if you're trading a dollar or you know 10 million dollars. So uh, what you could do is simply just raise the bug bounty. And by raising the bug bounty, it means you can just increase that threshold, you know, say put it up to 500k rune, then it's if there's 500k rune in the outbound queue. So if you still don't get to the equilibrium just through swapper clout, what you can do is just raise the bug bounty and therefore the incentive that, um, you know, someone can't just get in and out. If they had, you know, some kind of zero day for, for Thorchain, they can't just... Uh, you just steal from the pools what they'd have to do is you know do the responsible disclosure and claim that bounty instead otherwise uh they probably wouldn't get those funds out because it would be delayed up to an hour can i can i just jump in here and zoom out for everyone here is joining we also have to recognize that like thorchain as a project is absolutely ripping and more than half the people here probably have no idea what we're talking about with swapper clout outbound queue confirmation counting so let's just zoom out you know a million percent real quick and just give people the context about why this is being like so hotly discussed and why we're developing you know new features to try to alleviate this these things so like everyone knows thorchain was suffered some hacks back in 2021 and after that uh, we basically put this outbound queue in place. Um, and that's that's a buffer so that whenever there's a certain amount of um, um, rune worth of swaps basically flying through the network, um, you're going to delay, you're basically going to schedule the outbound instead of sending it out immediately, you send it out into the future. And that's essentially, that that penalizes sort of everyone equally, regardless of how much they personally are swapping because in, in, in the event that someone was attacking the network, they could probably split it between a bunch of addresses and split it into a bunch of little transactions. So the, in order for the network to be maximally defensive, it has to assume that pretty much all traffic or all volume going through it is potentially adversarial in nature. And so what happens in, in practice is, you know, back in, 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 in you know, a year ago, we weren't seeing much more than 300,000 rune worth of, trend, uh, worth of volume being transacted at any given time. So those, you know, those scheduled outbounds were taking anywhere from zero minutes to one hour, which is the max. Right now, we're seeing you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of volume going through ThorChain every day. So more or less every single um, um, transaction is taking that maximum duration of one hour, which leads to a bad user experience for people. All these new people coming on, making you know, uh, swaps on Trust Wallet, for, for example, for the first time ever, they're getting hit with a one hour outbound delay in, in addition to their confirmation counting and however much the outbound takes to get sent, which on Bitcoin can be anywhere from like 10 minutes to an hour. So imagine you're showing up to swap ETH to BTC for the first time 
and it takes like two hours to uh, to receive your your BTC. That's not a great um, you know that's not a great user experience. But on the other hand, like in us for us to have a a, a a strong defensive posture, we want to give node operators and the security teams up to one hour to respond to anything that looks fishy. So right now, what you're hearing about um, is a number of measures being taken across the board in order to kind of uh, fix that or alleviate that from both dimensions. And so I think the one dimension is basically increasing the uh, amount at which that threshold kicks in. Um, and that's what something like uh, Swapper Cloud does because it decreases the amount uh, that's essentially accrued to that minimum um, depending on how many historical fees that they've paid. So basically we're saying that all the our bots you know, that are, that are you know, accountable for about half of the volume on ThorChain, they're not going to penalize the regular swappers. So that's, that's one way to attack the problem. The other way to attack the problem would be to shorten the maximum. So to give, you know, if, if, we, if we thought our response time was better than one hour um, for, for intercepting some kind of, um, you know, uh, attack, then we could, we could reduce that maximum amount of time. Which, I mean, we can even, we can go into what it would take to reduce that amount of time. And I think that, like, the node Mimir V2 will really help us achieve that goal. But, I mean, we can talk about it from, from multiple directions. You know, you can increase bug bounties, and then that increases the, you know, the, the minimum outbound threshold. Because, again, that, that's where the game theory comes in of, like, okay, then if the, you know, if the maximum that I could steal is less than the threshold, you know, I might as well just become a white hat. So there's, there's a ton of, like, things that come into play when just determining what the throttles on the network are, but we're just starting to, you know, work on development of trying to find ways to, like, narrow those a little bit, if that makes sense. Right. We want to narrow it, but we don't want to necessarily remove it. So we, we could remove it. Like, validators could vote right now and turn this whole thing off and have instantaneous outbounds and you know, UX would be a lot better, a lot faster, right? That's something that you could literally vote and do right now and, and it would be just, you know, golden, ready to go. We don't even need to, need to make a code change. Code change, it's ready to go. But I think we implemented it just because we want to make sure we have protections in the network to ensure that funds are safe and not just like $100 million going off of the door in a split second, you know? So, um, yeah, so I think we should just like, let's swap our cloud, get out there. Let's just see how effective it is at reducing, you know, the, the swap times and if we're unhappy with the result we can go ahead and back to the table and, and have a conversation about increasing the bug bounty or, or decreasing the the total limit from an hour to a half hour like pluto was just talking about we can have all that conversation exactly yeah i feel like this is the kind of thing where we have to take a multi-pronged approach and do as many things as we possibly can because you know, as, I, as, as we've been talking about now, you know, for, for some time in the community, in the, dev, in the dev community, it's like we're about to experience hyper growth right now as a protocol. We're just seeing it and we haven't even landed what I think are some of our biggest integrations yet in the pipeline. And so, you know, things are about to get real, real nutty if, if volumes keep trending in, in the directions they have been and if the integrations keep up and if, you know, if Thorchain keeps you know, uh, uh, hitting those hitting those all time highs in swapper uh, vault count, unique swapper count volume. Like we're gonna, we're just starting to see the 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 edges of the scalability of the system. So we, we're basically have all hands on deck right now to try to you know figure out solutions to alleviate those scaling concerns before that that hyper growth really starts.
Sweet. Thanks right. for zooming out, Pluto. Yeah, that was good. We could talk about the Node Mimir stuff too, which I'm I'm personally really excited about that. Like I, I think I see that as kind of like the final the final rung for like total, you know, planned obsolescence. Um, basically like, you know, there's a there's an ad, there's an admin Mimir key that's existed from the very beginning of the network because I mean, it, you know, it, it's basically gotten to a point now where it's only used for operational and security purposes. So, like, nodes have to do a two-thirds vote to enact any economic changes to the network, and that's more or less been enshrined as just sort of like a, like, basically just like that's 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 the promise that the the security teams make to the network. Well, now we've finally enshrouded that in code, and so now there's two types of constants in the network. Um, as of this most recent release, there's economic constants and there's operational constants. And basically, that paves the way to completely burn um, those Mimir keys so that there, there isn't really any permissioned manager of the network. Um, anybody, anybody who's really a node operator can act as a security team in their own right now. Um, and so basically what that does is it, it creates a, a if, basically a condition where if three nodes are to vote on any operational constant, that will take effect immediately and then it will be a simple majority after that. Um, and so basically what that allows is like, you know, no matter what happens, like every, whether you're a centralized exchange or a decentralized exchange, like sometimes you just have to halt uh, trading or halt outbounds on a network just because there's like downstream problems with those blockchains. Like, you know, maybe Solana crashed or, you know, there's, you know, uh, Adam did a hard fork or whatever and like the chain is literally not producing new blocks. Like, there's reasons operationally you just have to halt certain chains. And so, you know, that per, that presents like a point of centralization is like, well, who gets to decide who to, you know, who halts a chain and when we halt the chain. So up until this point, that's been handled, you know, by by the core team and by Thorsec and by Nine Realms. Um, but now finally, we're, we're basically taking the steps to fully burn that key and put that, that, responsibility directly onto node operators. Um, and so what I think that's going to do is that's going to... We just had a new speaker come up. Can you mute? Can you mute, please? I think the host can He's mute done. as well. Yeah, yeah I got him. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, basically basically just uh, was saying that like the node Mimir 2 stuff is is in my sense like one of the best kind of enhancements to the protocol because it's going to allow teams of node operators to build new stacks of like security and monitoring. So like people can put automated um, operational halting onto their node. And so like a node can automatically make a recommendation to halt the network if it sees anything suspicious. Um, so we can do all kinds of like on and off chain um, solvency checking on like and so what I think is that like the security capabilities just of the network and of the network operators as a whole is about to really level up. Um, and when that happens, I can see us starting to scale back some of those, um, some of those security measures. So like being able to reduce the, um, the, the outbound delays a lot more. Really just anything that allows us to like process more throughput faster and you know, and and for for the end user, like that's that's really what we want to optimize for. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, Mimir V2 is one of the biggest things that's coming out anytime soon. And it's uh, it's already, uh, I believe it's live in the code, but not fully flagged on in most instances. So maybe we should also just back up and just say like a little bit more about uh, Node Mimir. And so basically Mimir V2, which is coming out and the difference between like operational Mimirs and economic Mimirs. Uh, like, I think it's a you know, kind of a, a big thing, and uh, it just makes it a lot very democratic. In not that it wasn't at, uh, at all before, but it makes it just completely permissionless for any for any node to act in the best interest of the network when when it needs to, uh, which obviously like it needs to from time to time. And we're gonna and there will be changes that need to be made that are you know that will require more than just three nodes to go in one direction, like for pausing trading or uh, you know something like that in case that's necessary. Yeah, to give, to give some context, some more like historical context, like Mimir was first created uh, primarily for ChaosNet, which we call like our, kind of like our public beta. And it was created because we wanted a methodology to react quickly in the event that something terrible is happening for, for dumb. That was the real context of it. So we knew we were launching this new software, a very complex piece of code. A lot of things could go wrong. We want to make sure that we, we could react quickly to stop something from happening if it does. And so we called it Mamir because the term, the name Mamir, the, the character in Norse mythology, who at the end of his, his kind of story, gets his head cut off. And so Mamir is always designed to be like a temporary thing that we would, you know, one day once we feel the network is mature enough and this kind of thing that we would just kind of like cut, cut Mamir's head off and, and kind of carry on. But while it's kind of getting its footing and has its training wheels on, let's, you know, keep Mamir around for emergency purposes primarily. And I think through the experience of just like running the network as a, as a community for over the last few years, we kind of learned how useful Mirror was and how helpful it was and how it saved our butts more than a few times uh, in some, some pretty dire situations. And so it was extremely helpful to help co to control the risk of, of the protocol in a sense. And I think Mamir V2 is just, is just trying to migrate the power of Mamir away from a handful of kind of devs on the, on the core team to put it completely in the hands of the node operators of this network who are, you know, anonymous individuals across this world who, who have the power and the ability to be able to pause trading if there's something really, you know, fishy going on that, that, that uh, you know, doesn't, it looks, looks bad. Yeah, I think it's just yet another area of like research into decentralized governance where ThorChain is really just excelling, you know, above and beyond any other projects. Like, ThorChain is already operationally the most complex blockchain just in, 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 in pure infra sense and in like pure coordination. Like it has to be constantly scanning blocks from nine different blockchains and then committing those blocks onto its own blockchain. There's so many different places for things to go wrong. Like operationally, it's already incredibly difficult and we're still striving to make it even more decentralized. So, you know, it, it's like, in a centralized exchange, like on Bitcoin, for example, if there's like, if there's high gas and like, you know, they'll just pause withdrawals or, or deposits, um, you know, so like in a centralized exchange, you don't get to see like why that decision was made. You just have a status page that says, you know, like deposits are, you know, are paused and it's like, okay, well, you know, can't get my money now. The fact that like all of the coordination and communication between the security teams and the node operators is all happening in the open in the dev in the dev discord like it just it just it, it's it's incredible and it, and we're constantly even just engineering new ways that 
are making it harder for ourselves. Um, so I think that just is just a testament to like our commitment to decentralization and really leveling the playing field there. Brought someone up, uh, Charles. Yeah, how how are you guys doing? Excellent. What's going on, man? So I was listening to this, and I hadn't planned on saying anything, but I do have an observation. I've been using ThorChain for about three weeks, but very extensively, and I I think it's spectacular. But you're talking about improving the performance. Just my opinion would be that your your dev resources would be better spent working on um, updating the UI so that the user could see exactly where the swap process was. Which uh, interface are you using? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Whatever's on a, a browser. Um, so both both Thor, Thor Swap and Thor Chain, both Thor Wallet. I'm using, I think, all of them. Um, but it's like, you know, if you do uh, DoorDash, I don't care if my food gets here in 45 minutes. I know exactly where the hell it is. Um, and I think yeah. that would go a long way to comforting new users as opposed for sure to, as opposed to making stuff faster which is good but i think it, it'd be a much more productive use of time to just make it more transparent and more updates that's all i i completely agree charles imagine imagine you're a, a trust wallet user for example like on and this is something that we're striving to like you know work with different integration partners to make this experience better because we, we built a tool for it in-house because we just saw like how bad most of the support was for transaction status across the ecosystem. So if you actually go to track.ninerealms.com, like I'll try to, we can post maybe a, um, a link at the top of this thing. Um, Kyle, if you want to just take like a random transaction that's currently in, in progress and like post it into the space. So everyone can kind of see like, I think that's that's a lot more like what you would be looking for. And we're we're trying to get more wallets and 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 teams to like adopt this tracker because it's just better than almost everything else. And and yeah, like if you go like some some um some wallets like uh like trust, they only like give you a link to you know the Bitcoin transaction that you sent into the network. It's like, well, that doesn't tell you anything. That doesn't tell you like whether Thorchain saw it, whether Thorchain is like currently processing it, whether it's scheduled in Thorchain or whether it's been broadcast by Thorchain. So there's a lot of different stages that a, a trans transaction can be at while it's being processed by Thorchain. Right. And none of those are really like, you know, you, you don't really see those stages. You just you just know that it took two, two hours from the time you submitted the transaction till you received your funds. So I, I agree. It would it would go a long way if people had better visibility into it. And, and so uh, maybe just one single web page that every uh, user uh, user tool could act act uh, could view. We, 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 we try to strive to have multiple products and multiple web pages that all serve the same purposes in you know for this in the spirit of resiliency and decentralization, like we don't want anyone to re, to re, um, rely on our tooling 
or on ThorSwap's tooling or on anyone's tooling. But yeah, I think every every project um, who's out there and who's listening, like we we all have a vested interest in in uh, investing more in the user user interfaces around like just transaction status. I think that's a really good call out. Yeah, I just yeah, want to know. And I, my, you guys can check. I pinned the. Yeah. You want to know where your so food I, is? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, to help Wendy's. with that, this isn't the Pluto, <laughs> Pluto mentioned the Nine Realms transaction tracker. So, uh, I just pinned it up above a link to it. It's just track.ninerealms.com. And uh, basically, it goes through the endpoints for you and it says, like, hey, your, um, your Bitcoin transaction, you just put in your Bitcoin hash right there, whatever you sent out. Um, that you just put that in there or if it's a uh, you might see it in that tr in that transaction tracker there's like uh, a little thing that shows you the in progress swaps and stuff uh so you could just basically you just go onto the transaction tracker and it, it gives you estimates for like hey we think this will take this amount of time your swap is streaming right now eta you know 30 minutes for this and then one hour outbound delay after that you, you should expect it in you know in this amount of time so like that's some that's a tool that's super useful for anybody and yeah something that we provided to Trust Wallet who they're they're going to be using that for their users uh, they're they're already using that uh, and it's available for any interface to white label so like um, obviously the core of Thorchain is built completely differently from the front end so we're built by other teams so like they should develop their own solutions or just uh, use Nine Realms's track solution because it, it's really been a help for me especially like like doing doing swaps and helping other people like track the status of their swap it's so easy because you just see like hey well right now it's just in the queue this is the eta and then uh it you know it, it always it always gets there in the end it's just knowing what's going on and that was something we developed after listening to feedback from users saying the exact same thing as what you said so thanks for providing that yeah, I also just want to add um, ThorSwap's tracker has had major improvements. I'm not sure if you saw it. Um, when your swap is pending, you can click Open Details, and that ex that expands a view where you see something really similar. Like you see the inbound, you see the swap, you see the next aggregator swap if that's there, then the transaction back to your wallet, all with links and stuff. So, um, yeah, maybe that's just something that needs to be made more obvious in the UI. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to point out that. I use that. I use that all the time. It does, however, seem to get hung up occasionally. Yeah, sometimes I've I've seen that as well, and I'm, I'm sure they're working on smoothing those things out. All right, yeah, and make again. sure you report bugs and stuff when you see them. You know, because it's like uh, that's the only really way that the devs can just continue to improve the product is just whenever there's something, you just open a ticket in the right interface and you let them know. So that way. Uh, they can actually fix things because uh, yeah. there's always things to to be fixed, and you know infrastructure is changing, and you know there's lots of track. What's the right interface? Well, if you're on ThorSwap, that'd be ThorSwap. So, like, just just to kind of zoom out again, especially not just for you, but for other people. But you know these these interfaces are not ThorChain itself, right? ThorChain is the back is a is a blockchain that's handling these cross chain swaps and all these other features, right? The interfaces are like applications that users can use that plug into ThorChain for liquidity, offer ThorChain services in the back end, other, other liquidity sources in some cases too, right? Um, so like, yeah, if you're, using, if you're using ThorSwap, then that would be like a ThorSwap interface question. So you'd want to contact ThorSwap support. If you're using Trust, that'd be Trust. If you're using ThorWallet, that's ThorWallet. 
these things are all using ThorChain on the back end, but they're kind of uh, these are interface specific, um, you know, like applications. All right, got it. Logan, what's up? Oh, I just put my chickens away. I got like 12, 12 chickens, man, and they they sleep in their coops, you know? It's that time of the day. But uh, you have urban chicken coops? Because I also hear sirens in the background. Yeah. If you get a tractor, I know somebody that might have a tractor that can help you out if, if, if you get to that point. <laughs> nah, man, I'm, I'm uh, I'm just chilling, man. I'm excited. Like, I mean, fuck, dude. Smasher is six bucks. I knew this was coming. I told I told people. I told everyone that Thorchain Rune could 10x faster than they think. And we're we're approaching that. So um kudos to the devs and everybody that's been putting in the work and holding. And you know, I think we're just getting warmed up, really. Like there's uh this is the beginning phase of the bull market, baby. Still so many people are in disbelief. It's fucking hilarious. Like you pump by some of these projects pump by like 20% and everyone sells and then they're immediately buying back higher as soon as that, that retrace is over <laughs> and we pump again. So um, cheers to everyone that's like really kind of sat through the worst bear market of all fucking time. And what I would say is now is not the time to sell, you know, not financial advice, obviously, but we waited two plus years and went through hell. And this is uh, the beginning and, and where it gets real fun. So definitely uh, strap strap in for the ride because this thing, I think we're blasting off to Valhalla, boys. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for your support. I know I've, I've seen you. I've seen you around for a while, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to, to, to Logan and, and a lot of the other uh, you know, crypto Twitter verse. Uh, keep on, you know, posting, tweeting, talking, you know, uh, educating people about what, what is it we do and why we're valuable and why we, why we matter, why we contribute a lot of um, purpose to this industry. So it's not just the, the devs writing the code, but it's also just the community just letting the, getting the word out there and educating people. So shout out to you, Logan, and others in the audience who've been doing that. Well, you and guys, that, you guys that, keep on doing the, you know, you guys keep on shipping cool products and give me content to to make, you know what I mean? Like there's so much in crypto that's just the same freaking thing and it's just boring and it's just like slight iterations or changes and like what, what you guys are doing is just, it's so, it's so, uh, I mean, I knew that it was the, the possibility and potential was there, but it was just like a little clunky last time around. Now it's smooth and normies can use it. And it, it makes sense, right? And we're seeing that. Uh, with, I mean, you just go look at the volume. Like, that's the chart that you really need to pay attention to. If that thing keeps on going up into the right and Rune, I mean, Rune is obviously following, but uh, from a, a product standpoint, seeing that volume grow, like, that shit gets me excited. That That is like the true test of knowing, all right, this works, you know? And uh, how fast we're climbing. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, what, we were just at 100 million, and then we're like, oh, man, this is great. And now, what, what's the highest volume that it peaked at, Chad? Uh, uh, 511. 511. That, and and, that, and that, that was, like, from, like, within a week, it went from, like, okay, record broken at two to five, right? So, like, getting to a billion, I think that that can happen a lot faster I mean, if, if Bitcoin keeps on going up, like if Bitcoin breaks through, and it might, I think Bitcoin's going to like probably tap around 40, 
and then come back down, maybe kind of like fake people are out around like 32, maybe like 31, but so many people are like ready to fucking buy. So I just think that the next, whenever Bitcoin really makes that next leg up, if it breaks through 40, Thorchain's going to a billion, a billion in a day. I think that's going to happen way faster um, than, than we expect, right? Like it could happen even within like a week if shit gets like really, uh, really bullish, right? That ETF approval, everything else. You have no idea. It's, it's going to be that. It's going to be the, it's going to be the ETF approval and like just general macro conditions into 2024, and then the integrations. You guys have no idea. I, I'm not. I'm literally not trying to like like. Uh, this is not like clickbait or anything. Like, there's some crazy shit in the pipe. Oh shit! Yeah, exciting. By hey, the way, what Chad was saying before about just like the community and everything. Sorry, Chad, I'll let you go right after. Uh, the community is really what, you know, lets us land those integrations. Like that's how uh, we started powering the swaps behind Trust Wallet. And that's exactly what happened to get us onto the path with Ledger, which is like super imminent, obviously. So uh, like, I mean, not to say like things going to happen tomorrow and things take a long time, but it's because of the community that we get to land these huge integrations. And that's what's going to drive just such a crazy amount of volume coming in the future. Because every single one of these high volume days, like these are, you know, these, these are venues where people are like signing huge amounts of, of assets, right? Uh, and just opening up those rails. Like that's, that's our, you know, one of our main focuses is getting into more and more wallets and indexes and, and stuff. And that's that's where we're gonna really go crazy with volume because right right now this is only this is trust wallet volume like this isn't even like two trust wallet volume. Dude, it, it it took eleven months to land trust wallet, and you're right. It was literally our community constantly hounding them on Twitter for like eleven months, being like, "Add Thorchain swaps, add Thorchain swaps." Finally, one day we just saw the tweet, and they're like, "All right, we hear you. We're gonna add them." Like, I feel like half the time we find out that um integrations are like on on a roadmap from you know someone just like posting on twitter from you know the i think it was i think we found out about like the ledger the initial ledger integration they were like okay fine we're gonna do this and then they then they got in touch with us afterwards so yeah the the community outreach definitely helps and it's our community has been here through the bear market just really helping us to land those and talking with their team this summer when we uh, we were over there at their offices and, and stuff, just like talking with the Ledger team just about the product and just like, you know, really getting them in, in, into like doing cross-chain swaps in, in Ledger. Um, yeah, they, they were like, it, the, the, your community is just like absolutely just insane. Like they, they made a point <laughs> to, to, to say that to me. <laughs> so like, Fanatics. It, 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 I mean, it, that's, that's what it takes, honestly. And um, like, it's a, it's like a strong thing to be, to be a part of because it's obvious, obvious that like what's being built here is like, you know, the decentralized exchange, like the decentralized exchange. Like, like, as in, we don't really uh, need any of these other little bullshit exchanges anymore. That kind of that kind of exchange. Yeah, I was just going to add, we're we're twenty five minutes from the daily volume resetting, and it's sitting at four hundred thirty three point four seven million. Goes up by like two hundred k every time I refresh, pretty much. And that's like, I mean, that's right up there with the with the all time high days just a few days ago. So it's 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 pretty sick to see like the the consistency kind of setting in. 
Yeah, like if you look at the tweet I shared at the top here, and you can see like there's a clear like you know upward angle of the volume increasing over the last you know few weeks or month, whatever it's been. And and it's funny because like we were now surpassed the volume of October. We've already you know well past which I think three billion dollars last October. It's halfway through the month, and we're already you know wait we're almost at four billion at this point. And so people are saying that we're going to get like maybe six billion this month. But I'm thinking to myself, like, if, if the volume keeps kind of moving in the direction that's been moving for the last, like, month or so, then it's probably not going to be six billion. It's probably be closer to, like, seven or eight or something, you know, considerably larger, yeah. which, would be, which would be awesome. Also, we didn't specifically. It's insane. I mean, it was, it, I think our, like, w- one year of volume was seven billion in 2020, between 2021 and 2022. So, like, that, it, it just, it's, that's just the natural progression of things. It's like a year to get seven billion a month to get 7 billion and then a day to get 7 billion. That's, that's the next insane. Do you, guys yeah. ha- you guys have any idea where the volume is coming from? Like, like sexes or other market makers or. I mean, you can look on chain. <laughs> you, can, you can look on chain. You can see a lot of the volume is uh, coming from ThorSwap and a lot of the volume is coming from trust wallet. And you can kind of see who's doing the, the um, thing, but um uh, it's hard for I mean it's hard for us to know and, and to be honest there's a part of me that doesn't really want to know whether where the volume's coming from us. Sure, uh, sure. I just thought maybe somebody's tracing it back to like a Binance wallet or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if there's like that much kind of analysis. I mean somebody could do that if they want to jump on that. But like Yeah, we need uh, we need Ben Bernard and, and those guys to come up with some yeah, some new guy. dash. Like I, I wanna That's see crazy. like I wanna see how many are like how many new swappers have come in just recently, stuff like that, you know, would be re- really cool to see. Also, just one one thing we didn't like specifically touch on with the volume, but this is also insane for all the interfaces as far as affiliate fee revenue and that being baked into Thorchain. So, like those those are just like you know absolutely ripping with Thorchain volume. Like seeing ThorSwap um, fees going crazy, XDFi has gone up a ton. Like I'm sure, like pretty much just down the whole list. I think. Um, can you guys, so that can you share your revenue numbers? Do you, do you have, do you know them? Um, I mean, I look at the nine realms dashboard, <laughs> to be honest, I look at the affiliates dot nine realms, uh, cause that seems to be the most, um, you got, that one seems to update like it the most in real time. So I'm usually just checking there. Does anyone know, Cal, have you, have you calculated Thor swaps, their total affiliate fees in the last 30 days? Yeah, I was literally about to right now. I actually just pressed the wrong button though. Yeah. Give me another, I was about to swoop in there smoothest thing you've ever seen sick. but i think i think they picked up like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in two days over the weekend which is just yeah it was, it was three days i did that i did that Wait, on, on monday it was three days but yes how is that possible i mean our, our dashboard is only showing so twenty two thousand six hundred sixty. today is at 7900 wow Sorry, say that again. I think your audio cut out. This did for me. I'm not sure if it cut out for other people. Everyone's using our affiliate dashboard all at once, and I think we're <laughs> too slow. Crashing it. <laughs> Actually, it's probably true. <laughs> um, yeah. Can only handle so, one person at a time. We'll get in line, you guys, with that. But I think. That that narrative has been um, extremely helpful in in just speaking in conversations with other integrators, like being able to show people on chain how much absolute cash ThorSwap is making is just like it's a strong narrative. Like 
the amount of inbound we've had for integrations in the last couple of weeks has eclipsed that of any other time in our history, obviously. Pluto, should we share anything on uh, new affiliate fee sources or should we wait on that? Um, I think we can wait on that. But let's right. let the ink dry a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's some pretty big things happening, but we, I don't think we can talk about it quite yet. I don't think we're allowed to. This is just like in terms of integrators. And so that's really one of the only places where, and, and that's where it's tough, like running a decentralized network and wanting to strive for transparency all the time, but then also like, you know, having conversations with wallets that kind of want to own their, they want to own their PR and they want to own their brand and they want to own their, yeah. you know, communications with their customers. So it's not really, it's not really our place to announce integrations for them. So you guys will just have to pay attention and, you know, keep listening. But, you know, uh, our partners will be announcing some very big things in the coming weeks and months. Come on, Pudo. It's not very, it's not just very big. It's fucking massive. <laughs> it's fucking massive. Yeah, integrators are going to make a lot of, a lot of money through affiliate fees. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, with how much volume, uh, like, you know, big wallets and, and things can put out. And wallets are like the perfect spot to put uh, a Thorchain swap because it uh, like everything Thorchain bakes down to L1s, which is like you need the, the signer, like you need the wallet. So like there's so much potential here for wallets to just make so much money. Like in, in 2021, how much did a consensus make off of affiliate fees off of just those, uh, those trades right in MetaMask? It was like hundreds of millions of dollars in, in 2021, obviously. Like that's um, just that's so much. Cool. <laughs> Yo, here's, here's an idea for you guys, um, Chad, uh, Thoreau, that on ThorSwap, you, you guys need to build like a universal widget that can just be embedded on any website. Like, you know, when you go to like a CoinDesk article and you're reading about like some, you know, oh, yeah. some shit coin, but then like at the bottom of that article, it's like buy and then like some completely unrelated coin. That's because that coin is paying CoinDesk to like pay to embed a swap widget on on however many articles and that you know they're they're maybe doing like a revenue split or a fee on anyone who makes you know basically anywhere in, on the internet where you're talking about crypto is a potential touch point for for users to buy crypto using your protocol and so there's going to be all kinds yeah. of we're still in such early days in terms of like affiliate businesses but like that's going to be kind of like the main, that's going to be the bread and butter for ThorChain going forward is like, is like communities basically, you know, putting content, putting swaps, serving up swaps to their audiences and then like splitting the revenue with the protocol. Yeah, I love that idea. I know that there's been some work done on that. I don't know where it stands, but I'll poke them and ask around because I agree with you. I mean, that could be freaking massive, huge opportunity. For sure. Man, what else? Um, we talked about when, anything else big coming this year. Like, I, 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 for anyone that missed it, like um, we did, we did our quarter four kind of road mapping in um, in early October. So, like, we you know Q four is basically being earmarked for just sort of like stability and performance. That's why we've been talking so much about like security outbound queues confirmation counting swap or clout all those things are kind of like 
towards this, you know, this, this effort of like, make sure that we can meet the growth that we're like looking to, looking to see in the next couple months. So we've really taken our foot off the gas in terms of like major new features. But I think like, you know, some of the things that we've landed this year, like savings and lending have obviously been huge. Oh, isn't like, aren't we celebrating the one year anniversary of savings? Did I miss that part? Oh, happy birthday. Yep, I think so. Yeah. We, we didn't mention that, but yeah, it's been a year of savers. I have some old savers screenshots that I can't wait to share once it hits a year from when I took the screenshots because there, there's been so much growth over this past year, man. It's absolutely insane. And savers yields, we mentioned yeah. this at the beginning, savers yields are just popping off right now. And that's because when, when Rune goes up, rewards go to LPs. And there's so many fees going through the network that it, savers yields are just absolutely insane. Can't believe it's been a year. That's crazy. Kind of feels like less. It's crazy. Lending too has also been taking off in recent weeks. You know, just like yeah. usage of the entire protocol across the board has been up and to the right across every single metric. You know, I, I remember the, we had the first. You know, there's that like Thor Info bot that tweets out like uh, the, the weekly stats. I remember like the first time. You know, like three, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, that was like green across the board. And we were like celebrating that because we're like, wow, like everything went up, like savers, new loans, swapper, unique swappers, volume, like every single metric ThorChain is killing it on. And then it just kept happening week after week, like green, green, green. So that's really awesome to see. Um, those are two amazing features. Just shout out to Chad and to all the teams that helped land those um, this year, like savers and lending specifically. But yeah, I think in the new year we have what order books and memo lists. Those are both exciting features. Maybe you want to talk about those, Chad? Um, yeah, we can talk about those. I kind of want to just touch upon real quick with the that I'm really kind of excited and bullish about too. Is that tomorrow I'm recording uh, an interview with Eric Voorhees on Bankless. I've been trying to get on Bankless for fucking years because <laughs> it's like the biggest podcast in crypto, basically, right? Uh, it's massive. It's such a successful, um, you know, podcast or medium. So to go on Bankless with with Eric, you know, side by side and and kind of talk about and educate and tell people about why ThorChain is so important and how it provides such significant value for the, the entire industry is such a like to me such a bullish sign. So. Hopefully, I like I'll do the uh, do right by the community and, and you know do a do a solid interview. But I think if this thing goes really well, it could be freaking epic for the for the uh, for the protocol. Yeah, for sure. Super excited about hearing you on that tomorrow. We'll definitely be tuning in and cheering for you guys. I'm 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 st I, I still think that they're gonna like you know set some set some traps, set some landmines, you know. They always ask, they ask good questions, you know, questions that their 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 listening their listener base wants to hear. But yeah, but I, I, I brought the big guns. I got I got Eric Voorhees to, to to represent here. So yeah, yeah, this is like a dream come true. I mean, the the number of we, we could probably dig up like fifty different times in crypto Twitter history where we've gone back and forth with those guys and like and it didn't happen, right? So it's it's pretty exciting for it to finally be coming together. And and with Eric, that's just like what we dreamed of. So I'm really excited to hear it. Do you know if it, do you know if they like publish right away or do you know kind of like the, when it, when it's going to be up? No, I have no idea how long it takes them to do like 
the cutting and editing and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the recording's tomorrow, but I don't know if it's going to go up on like tomorrow or like Monday or what. But um, it should hopefully come out relatively quickly after. It'll be a really fun episode to, to watch. Are you prepped? Are you, uh, you know, thoroughly moisturized and ready to go on this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I took my oil bath this morning to get all ready for it. My, my oil surgery. No, uh, no, I'm prepped. I'm ready to go. I mean, I've been talking about throat chain for fucking years. So, and I, and I know a good amount about it and I can more or less handle any question fairly well. I feel very confident about that. And if I can't, I'll just throw it over to Eric and Eric will knock out of the fucking water. He's one of the most articulate people in our industry. So, um, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling ready. And if they want to throw me a curveball, bring it the fuck on. I wish more people did, to be honest with you. Yeah, man. Good luck. Uh, hopefully everything goes good. Yeah. I mean, you and Eric are just going to kill it for sure. And, um, you know what, maybe you can show some more people just that, um, the value behind like what's being built here and just working every day towards creating a, a better exchange for, for everything. So we should get the community to grab as many highlights from that interview as possible. And uh, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe even some kind of like little competition or something uh, just to get like the best highlight clips and get those circulating. That'd be good. Sound, let's get some good sound bits going. If we can, exactly. we can create some good sound bits, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Um, to, to, uh, uh, Pluto's point about order books to me, like I'm very excited about this particular feature. I think it's just going to be like very positive for the protocol because it's introducing the protocol to a new type of user, like from moving away from your, your kind of average swapper and moving to a more professional tool set for, you know, professional, uh, traders in a sense and giving them more kind of powerful tools to, to execute like cross chain swaps in a decentralized way. I'm very excited about this concept. I think it could be really, really important for the protocol. And I think the other thing I'm really excited about is that it gives the ability for arbitrage bots to arb, you know, uh, trades proactively rather than reactively. And so theoretically, you could have a streaming swap happen in a single block with, the, with this kind of technology, which would be highly efficient uh, for like, you know, people who want to do massive trades. Um, it would just execute a lot faster than it does today. It's such a great feature, but we'll get to it, I'm sure, at some point, hopefully. Um, but it's such a powerful thing for the protocol. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm coming around to it, especially based on the um, the argument that it, it allows like the the R bots, you know, because I think that's kind of like the network is going to start to be constrained by how well it can arbitrage and. We want to give we want to give ARBs every tool possible to do that as efficiently as possible. So it's a it's just a win win in terms of like uh, better prices for the swappers and um, you know better better fees for the the LPs because they're getting they're getting better tighting tighter pricing. What what else are you excited? MK? Like again, I always I, I always like to hear from you, chat about like what's next because. It's it, it it always has seemed like an endless <laughs> an endless spigot of new features, but like you know after after you ship um, like memoless transactions, which I think is going to help land a number of integrations and the order book stuff, which is going to you know help help provide better tighter pricing and just a, and a new product experience, as you said. What else? 
what 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 next? Is there is there ever going to be a day when we can consider this pro protocol feature complete? <laughs> um, that's a funny question. So to me, it's just like um, I'm up for new features as long as they provide a significant value to the protocol, right? And I've seen I don't want to name names, but I've seen other like DEXs implement new features that are just like you know, whoop do fucking do. Like it doesn't really, it adds a lot of complexity without really adding a lot of value. And I would argue that like all the features we've added, at least at least 90% of them have paid off more than I would have guessed when I was starting to like build it or write the code for it or whatever. So like, I, I do feel like the, the features we do add are very powerful and they really structurally change the, the value proposition of the protocol to be much more significant than it was the day prior. But if you want to get some like some alpha for the future of like what we could do, a couple of things that I have in mind is um, we talked about perps before, which is a, a really interesting concept. that would just create a 10 X in volume trading just naturally from, from perps and we also potentially generate a lot of revenue for the reserve, which would be a really positive thing for the, for the protocol long-term. I'm also really bullish on the idea of um, on uh, derived assets and making them publicly available. And for that, you only need a code chain. You could actually turn that on today if you really wanted to. But that would be really positive because we, we would create um, an actual algo stable coin that actually fucking works. And that, and we're proving it now. We're in the, the, the proving cycle at this particular moment. And if you if it is as, as effective as I think that it is, um, to make it even more effective, you could actually export that asset to external chains, right? You could actually export the Tor stablecoin asset to Ethereum and to AVAX and to BSC and other places, and you can actually create a highly in, you know in demand um, stablecoin asset that would be extremely decentralized, right? Um, so like, hang on, back up, back up for everyone again, because you got to realize there's so many people that are listening. That's true. That's true. Who, who have no idea what you know Tor is. So want to explain derived assets and and what they are and what Tor's role is in Thorchain? Yes. So a derived asset is is kind of like a synthetic, right? If it, technically, it is actually it's not a wrapped asset. That's a little bit different. A synthetic asset is something that is derived by the value of something else, and a wrapped asset is derived its value is derived by the, the asset that, it, that it's representing. Um, and so a derived asset is a synthetic that's that's derived from the the, the, the network itself, from Rune itself specifically. So whenever we open loans today, we use derived assets as the collateral, and then we send you, um, we use Tor as the, which is our basically our, our stablecoin more or less that is uh, used as the debt for the, for your loan. So right now, um, the Tor uh, stablecoin, Algo stablecoin exists today. It's running in the network. It has been for actually longer than people actually probably even realize. It's been out there for probably over a year, but it's had very very insignificant kind of role within the protocol, and it's just been kind of like running in the background on a very small scale, right? Right. It's, so, not, it's not holdable. It can't be. You can't swap into it and hold a balance of it. Right. It's only used as the unit of account for the lending feature. Correct. So the market cap of Tor is always zero, right? And so because of that, it doesn't really offer much of a threat to the protocol because you can't, you know, mint one point three trillion rune from zero. That just doesn't make that's just completely illogical. So it, it doesn't really hold any kind of threat to the protocol, but it does allow us to do something really important, which is we can run it in on mainnet, run it in production, run it in the real world. We can watch the the the, the pegging mechanism and, and see how it performs and like just objectively look at the data. And if we if there's something we see is that's going wrong or we don't like, we can 
tweaks or changes to to improve some things. Thus far, we haven't needed to improve anything. It's been literally perfect from day one for the most part. So it's just like it's very very effective um, way of, of kind of, of validating the design before you actually like roll some weight behind it. Do you know what I mean? Um, right. Which so you want to talk about? You want to talk about the design and how it's different from something like the UST or or Luna, for example. Yes, it's very different. Um, it's funny. I, I spent a good amount of time studying a lot of algo stables in the past, just just for the giggles of it. But they all fail for different reasons. To be fair, right? They never fail for the same reason. It's always a different trigger that causes it. But they are like fundamental design flaws in, in all of them. And even in our tour design was we had that before uh, UST collapsed, and we 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 were aware of the you know some of the flaws in the design, and so we designed ours without those flaws. And then it made a very apparent with those flaws are when the whole thing, you know, uh, rolled up into zero. But um, how Tor is different than UST, or one of the very important things is that it does not have it's necessarily its own pegging mechanism the same way that UST does or USDC or DAI or LUSD. Those independently derive their own value or their own like pegging mechanism. There were a series of mechanisms like of like buying and selling of asset flows or whatever, right? That's not how Tor works at all. Tor is actually more apt to call it, it's more of an index of stables, right? So it derives its value from the from the from the um, pegging of the all the stables of the industry, more or less, or at least a, a large handful of them, right? And so we are always in the, the middle of all those perform all of those stables. So USDC, USDT, uh, PayPal USD thinks one of them, I think LUSD is another one, DAI is another one. Uh, I think Fraxis might want to be one of them, maybe. I'm not really quite sure. But like, there's a whole bunch of them. And we just derive our value from the middle of all those guys. And, and why, hasn't that been, why hasn't that been done before? Uh, it hasn't been done before for, for a few reasons. Um, we are a cross-chain AMM. And so we have the ability to connect more, more things than anybody else. Like we can connect to Ethereum, we can connect to AVAX, we can connect to a bunch of different things. And we can aggregate the market. Right, individual uh, systems like on Ethereum, whatever, they have limited access to what they can connect to. For us, we can connect to as many stable, like BUSD is a good example of a stable outside of um, Ethereum or whatnot. And so we can connect to more and have a better sample of the industry whole, the index of the entire stablecoin market than any other project in crypto with the exception of Maya because they're a fork of us, right? So it's, it's much more, it mathematically has to perform more stable than any of the stable coins that it's connected to because it's, it derives its value from the middle, the median, not the average, but the median of the, the totality of all those things. So it naturally that's, just fluctuates. That's based, on, that's based on the pool depths of those, the, of those respective uh, stable coins on Thorchain right. itself. Right. So the, what's actually kind of maintaining the peg, quote unquote, is just arbs arbing the pools. It's not about their being exposed to room or dumping USDT or whatever. It's just like, can I buy and sell USDC or USDT or, you know, um, LUSD or whatever? Can I buy and sell it at a profit as an, as an ARB bot? And the answer almost always is yes. And so they constantly are ARBing this, these things to make sure the price is whatever. So as long as the network is functioning properly, like in terms of the context of like ARBs are, ARBs are able to ARB, then everything is fine, right? Even in the scenario where ARBs can't ARB and everything is kind of going protocol, we can just like pause things temporarily, let things kind of calm down, let the dust settle, 
and then resume things, you know, without a hitch. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting design. Can you so if if it is if it is a um, an aggregate of sort of the pricing of all the tokens on Thorchain um, or all the stables on Thorchain, what prevents you from like, for example, um, you know, manipulating the price of the pools on Thorchain in order to change the you know the value of the the underlying stable Tor asset? Yes, this is actually one of the uh, design flaws of UST that we saw early on. That we wanted to kind of get away from and think of a more decentralized way of solving that particular problem. Um, for us, what we do is this: is that the the pool that you swap your tour with Rune or tour with whatever you're trying to get, uh, that pool that is used is a is what we call like a virtual pool. It isn't. There are no LPs of that pool. It just exists mathematically. It doesn't exist from actual assets being added. As Rune is, you know, burnt and minted to create the tour, and tours, you know, burnt and minted to create the Rune, both and so on. And so what we can do, what's very interesting is that because we can in live time um, know the, the, the trade volume of the layer one assets of the USDC, USDT, LUSD, DAI, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. So if you did want to price manipulate these things, you'd have to take a majority of those pools and push a large quantity of value to those things to push the price from $1 to $10 or $1 to $0.10 or whatever, whichever direction you're trying to push it. You would take a lot of value and, and to push it, right? So you would we would know in real time as somebody is trying to manipulate the price that we can like know that hey, there's a really unusual value of volume of, of traffic going through these you know, stablecoin pools, and by doing so, it makes the the virtual pool much more shallow, right? And so the more you try to push the price to a dollar ten or a dollar twenty or a dollar thirty. The pool right. just gets thinner and thinner and thinner and smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where if you wanted to make $10 million, you would you would pay 99% in fees and make 1% in the actual fucking trade. You get wrecked in the whole process. So 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 right now there's there's no incentive to try to manipulate the value of Tor because Tor is only used as a debt instrument in the lending feature. But if if Tor were holdable by people, there would be an incentive to try to manipulate the pools. For example, you could hold a million Tor and then make it worth 10 million Tor if you were able to push the price of Tor up. But what you're saying is that if you then magically had $10 million worth of Tor, you know, Tor was not valued at $1 anymore, it was valued at 10, it still wouldn't matter because to swap that $10 million worth of Tor back through to like Bitcoin, for example, or whatever, you would pay so much slippage because the virtual pool was so thin. Is that is that kind of what is that the the exactly that prevents exactly you? yeah exactly. But you couldn't do that using a, a streaming swap because in a streaming swap takes a lot of time, right? It, it, you're you're making the trade over time, and if you're doing that, then you have to maintain that like price manipulating cost. So ARBs are trying to ARB against you. You're trying to make the price to be you know, $10 instead of $1. ARBs and all of their millions of dollars are being pushed against you to push the price back down to a dollar. And you have to maintain that fight against ARBs over time, which would be even more expensive. So it's just like it becomes so exhaustively expensive that it becomes mathematically impractical to actually launch this kind of attack. In UST's terms, what they did to, to solve this problem is they had they just used the validators to, to, to push the price of of luna from centralized exchanges got the pricing from centralized exchanges and then they just turned off the mechanism to to correct the price 
for like once so much trading occurred in a particular 24 hour period, which like, I guess it's effective in that, in that regard. But then like, if you just turn off the, the, the arbing system of your, of the token price of moon of UST, then like for half the day, then like, well, then you've basically depeg because you, the thing that you're using to maintain the peg has been turned off for half the fucking day. It's not going to work out so well. That's why the LFG was created to like create a big bouncer with $6 million in its pocket to like artificially maintain the price after the, the primary market like shuts off. We don't need to do that. Our primary market runs 24 seven without a, with, you know, without anybody needing to do anything other than ARBs just arbing layer one Ethereum, USDC and other assets. For sure. It's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's fun to think about. It's pretty awesome. To me, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about this concept. It's finally solving the problem. It's like, Thomas Edison kind of creating a light bulb and trying a thousand different metals before you found the one that worked. It, uh, to me, like algo stables are the same in the sense of like, it's harder to get it right, but if you get it right, it's the fucking light bulb, right? Whereas over collateralized stable coins, it's easy to get it right in, in some sense, but it's not a light bulb. It's like kind of a half light because it's very capital efficient. You run the risk of like the collateral going to fucking, you know, mixing too fast and you can lose value become insolvent which has happened to make it uh, to die in the past it's really not a great like actual solution from a first principles perspective algo stables actually work extremely well they're very effective as long as you have a good fucking design and a good implementation so chad if, if we were so, if, if we were to land order books the tour stable coin publicly tradable and perps can we can we finally stop building new stuff please <laughs> I know you. I you want to stop the stop the building. Uh, one of the other things I would I have in mind that we don't have to do this or not. It's up to the community to decide what they want to do this. But um, one thing we could do that's really interesting is that you can make Thorchain um, interact and in its assets to interact with smart contracts on any blockchain. So if you instead of building Cosmosm for Thorchain, where you can build your own smart contracts on top of Thorchain and use its assets and whatnot to its LP positions and rune and derived assets and synthetics, blah, blah, blah. Instead of building Cosmosm on Thorchain and, and adding the complexity to our chain and also um, adding some more throughput in terms of like the the, um, the volume going through the network into the transactions, you can actually just like export them easily to, um, to Ethereum and to BSC and to, you know, osmosis and theoretically pretty much anything out there. And that you can do that in a very clean and simple way. That's actually not very complicated. It's actually a small code change. But by doing so, you've basically made, created a, a significant new uh, um, demand center for the assets, of, you know, being an LP or being a saver or being these things, whatever it might be, being a validator potentially. And you can, you know, do liquid staking of your validator things and, and use your validator position to, you know, get a loan on Ethereum for this or something. I don't know. It could arbitrarily do a lot of different things, theoretically. Uh, and that would be super valuable for the, for the protocol. Whether we do that or not is a different topic, and it's not something I've been really, like, pushing for or talking very much about, but it's a very fascinating idea that could be really, really valuable for the protocol. Yeah. I still think, though, that, like, one of the most important things that you can do as a protocol is is basically just figure out you know, find your product market fit, figure out where you compete best, wh what you can do better than everyone else, and just stick to that and absolutely knock it out of the park. 
like this can be a ten billion dollar protocol if we get even just one to one and a half percent of all of the Bitcoin in the world locked inside of it. So it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, the new features are great, but at a certain point, like what really gives people the confidence um, is is actually to and to you know to bring up Kenton's point, like, you know, like the, I think you get more confidence when you make less less changes. When the when the when the out when the product is more stable and more predictable, that's when you know people finally start to get confident about it because we've proven already that we offer the best you know the best offer in the game for if you're holding Bitcoin, it's the best product that you can use to, you know if you're if you're just perpetually long Bitcoin you can borrow against it, um, you know and and not pay any interest and not you know suffer any liquidations you can get. Bitcoin yield on your Bitcoin through savers, like we've already built the ultimate product in DeFi. And so like at this point or at, at some point, you just really have to, you have to just say, okay, like we've, we've built something incredible here. Like let's just like lock it down and let it, let it rip. That's kind of what I, what I've been. Well, I agree. I can see where you're composability where you're is, is and something we should strive for. I, I, that's, are you referring to, um, just like the arbitrary me message passing feature? Uh, that's something else. That's, that's a different feature. That's also, that was a very small code chain, but also potentially very valuable for the industry as a whole. It's not really being used quite yet. I don't think it's going to be used anytime soon, but once we are a much bigger protocol, I think there'll be more, a more widely used feature in the future, I think at some point, but I think that like, when you step back and you look at ThorChain and look at what it's accomplished as a protocol, almost everything we've built, almost everything, is in itself a, a revolution, right? Everything we've done, we are doing something that nobody else is doing on anything, including like the Ethereum world is building all these smart contracts, do all these things, and then just like they're just like forking Uniswap and adding a small, you know, configuration change to it or something kind of silly and not really valuable. But like what we have have done for lending, for savers, for AMMs, uh, for a lot of synthetics, like what we have done is so far and away better, objectively better. Uh, some are not proven, like lending is, hasn't been proven yet, for example. But like, but like these things are in themselves revolutionary. And to apply these things, not just to, you know, Ethereum and apply them globally across the industry is so, um, like valuable that it's hard to calculate. You're right that that if we just did the AMM by itself and did nothing else, and we just did regular AMM with regular LPs and no savers and no lending and, and no synthetics, like that by itself, to be fair, would be a ten you know or twenty billion dollar you know a coin to be you know I mean to be objective. But like if you add the other thing, which we are doing and nobody else can or is able to, because we are innovating things here that nobody's doing there's no reason not to do it well not no reason but there's really strong reason to do it because of the amount of value proposition that we can add to the community the amount of value we can provide for the world is orders of magnitude of what we can do with just the amm and so for me i'm just like tempted to to build these things because i see how valuable they are for the industry i can't just come up with an amazing idea and say to myself hey we'll just stop there and standing still will just like cause somebody else to surpass it, whether it be chain flip or somebody else.
Yeah, Chad, I really love that about you. You you just continue to push things forward, you know. And at the end of the day, like you want what's best for the industry. You want you want to see the industry like just be the the best it possibly can be. And like, you know, I I, I also want that for the for the industry. But for me, I'm just like I would be happy for Thorchain to be like boring ass BTC rails. All we have is like you know top 10 chains we're connected to the top 10 chains so we're, we're the you know cross platform maybe, maybe my imagination isn't as big as yours but you know in a way i feel like you, you need both of those perspectives like you you, you want to continually be pushing the envelope but you also like there's such a big opportunity here in just like our bread and butter and that's what i think you know how our two teams like the core team and nine realms are attacking the the same problem from different angles which is super important, super valuable, right? It's, it is very valuable that we have two different teams with two different mindsets who have two different skill sets uh, and two different ways of looking at the same problem. And that's actually really useful. Totally. All right, well, I got to hop. I'm going to go grab some dinner, but it was great talking to you. I know we've, we've been talking a lot this week. There's been a lot of fun things to celebrate. I enjoyed our uh, our live YouTube code review the other day. That was fun, and uh, yeah, man, can't wait to catch you next week and keep this uh, keep this train rolling. Later, Pluto. See you. You guys want to keep See going, you. or uh, what's the move? See one request. Uh, let's take this last request. Alter ego connecting. Uh, yeah, I got to hop pretty soon, too, actually. All right, cool. Yeah, we can wrap up after Alter Ego. What's up? Um, I'm sorry to drive you guys off point. Um, I've been trying to reach support for a long time now. Um, I accidentally, this is off topic, I accidentally sent um, funds to your Bitcoin address, and I've been trying to get it back. No one is responding to me. Please, I just need help. So, sorry, what do you need help with? What's, what's the I, I accidentally sent funds to um, Torchain Bitcoin address. Um, the one that was used for a swap, I accidentally sent funds to it. It was in my clipboard and I accidentally sent funds to it. So I need it back. I've contacted support uh, on Telegram and um, no one's responding to me. I think, but well, it should just refund it unless the amount... It's been 10 so days now. Well, it's been 10 days. It... What it would actually do is make us either a saver's position, or it really depends on where you sent it to. So okay, so uh, okay, yeah, should... let me explain. So I I I made a swap for USDT, Ethereum to Bitcoin. Um, that was ten days ago using Trust Wallet. So um, I wanted to send the Bitcoin to another address, but I accidentally copied the address that sent me the Bitcoin. And it's a tall chain address. So I sent the Bitcoin there and it has been there for the past 10 days now. So I I just recently found out that um, it was tall chain because trust what I just told me today that it was the address belongs to tall chain. So I contacted um, Telegram and no response. So let me just pause you right there for a second. Uh, Kyle was, was right. So if you just deposit a Bitcoin to the address without any memo or anything, which it sounds like is what you did, 
then it would just would have deposited it as a saver's position, which means the Bitcoin's still in the network and you can request it and just withdraw it if you want to withdraw it. Yeah, the Bitcoin is still in your address. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, no, I'm saying that if you go to a UI and you go to you know the saver's part of whatever UI and you just like withdraw, you can just go ahead and withdraw. Like it's, it's waiting for you to request the money back. So you have to go ahead and request the money back. Okay, so I've never used Torchin before. I use the inbuilt swap feature in Trust Wallet, so I don't know what you're talking about. So if you just go to ThorSwap, and then you connect your wallet, your Trust Wallet with ThorSwap using the Wallet Connect feature, and then you go to the uh, the Savers uh, UI, whatever wherever that is. I think it's in the menu in the left bar. Yeah, it's called like then, Earn or something. You should see it there. I think it's Earn. Yeah, and if earn, not, then you should contact. You should open a ticket with their support and like trying to actually figure out what happened uh like yeah it's definitely you, like you shouldn't just send funds like like that you, like, you can make a swap in the wallet and it knows where to send it but if you just send it to the the thorchain wallet it makes the savers deposit like you're adding liquidity so yes so uh, the, if you send it to the right address then it should just be in a savers position so i can still see the the coins in the address it's the only coin there so um I don't know. I contact. I don't know the support's um, email. Yeah. Well, if it was a vault that wasn't active, then it might not have even been able to to refund. Because if it's an inactive vault, they're like a. a, a it's see what what we can't help you right right now. I'm sure you understand. Like you're gonna have to get in contact with a support desk or something. Like go to the ThorSwap Discord. Um, just go to ThorSwap.finance and their Discord is on there and they have a ticket system where you can actually have someone look at it and and help you out if it's possible because if it's if it's at an address that it can't be accessed then it can't be accessed someone on telegram told me that the address i retired every three days and that yes i cannot um retrieve the funds back Correct. That's if you if you send to an old address, then and the money wouldn't get resent back to you. Then I'm sorry to say that your Bitcoin is gone, and you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get it back. If you send it to a new address or a current address, then it would have been deposited savers, and you can withdraw it, and everything's fine. But if you send to it, if your funds are there and your your Bitcoin is the only Bitcoin in that address, then I, I'm sorry to say that your Bitcoin is gone. Sorry, but. That doesn't make any sense because why would it be gone? Because you send it to an address that, that the, the, the network no longer maintains, in other words. Well, you should have the keys to the address, shouldn't you? No, we don't have any keys to any address because it's special signatures and the keys literally don't exist anywhere. I don't understand. I really don't what understand. Was, well, another way I'm saying is that like, you send it to a, to a wallet that we deleted. More or less, I'm trying to use uh, simpler terms. But like, if you send it to a wallet that was retired, and we delete, we move all the funds to a new wallet, and the old wallet we just kind of threw in the garbage, and then you set your funds there. Well, private keys in the garbage. We don't, we don't have it anymore. So there's no way of retrieving the private key. Correct by design. But, but that's not possible now. Please, it's a lot of money. I understand that, but. Uh, you know, when you're sending a lot of money, you generally want to send small amounts first just to test it before sending the full amount. But, but the, 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 the coins are literally there. You've used the address. Why would you say that you can't access it anymore? 
can't. I'm sorry. The network churned, which means it moved the funds from one address to a new address, series of addresses, and deleted the old. And you sent and you sent funds to an old address. But how do you delete an old address? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not a dummy. You can't delete an address on the blockchain. You can't delete a private key. It's not possible. You still have access to that Bitcoin address. Well, no. So when we do a churn, we change the validator set. It's like think of it like a multi-sig, right? It's a three or four multi-sig. And you you still have backups. You, you it's possible to have backups. It's possible to have access to that address. It's it's never impossible. You can't lose access to that address. I don't believe well, that. What I'm trying to say is that like think of like a multi-sig, and there's like a three or four multi-sig, right? There's four people. Me, it's me, Chad, and you know Kenton. And 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 uh, a cow, four of us are doing a multi-sig, and we're going to do a churn. Where we're going to we're going to you know, uh, Chad and 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 cow are, are moving out, and you know, uh, Finn Blue and and Coefficient are joining me and Brandon. So we got this new team. So we only have two keys from that address. We don't have three keys. So because the other people left, they're gone. Cow, cow, and Chad Thoreau are gone. So we don't have an ability to recover those funds because the validator set has changed. And we don't have the ability to recover those funds. Yeah, man. You should definitely get, just get in touch on like Telegram or something. But it's, it's most likely that it's not possible. So I'm really, really sorry to have to tell you that. Yeah. But that sucks. But ha have somebody look at it, and then like, they can confirm for you. I refuse to believe that. Like. This is literally money I need. I need this money to pay fees. And you can't tell me that I can't access it anymore. It's it's really it's 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 really sad because by design the, the design is flawed if you can't access it anymore. It is sad, but it's no different than sending Bitcoin to a, an address that you completely don't have control of. It's just like sending it off into a Bitcoin address. Yeah, but that if I send can't... if I send Bitcoin to an to an exchange, I, I I know I can get it back because I'll contact the support of that exchange. So Torchain is somewhat like an exchange, a decentralized exchange. So I should be able to get it back. Right, but the difference is, is that the, the company of, of the centralized exchange has access to the keys. I don't have access to the keys. Chat the road is in there. Nobody has access to the keys. It's a collective of validators, which we've turned and not all those validators are around to, to help you to recover those funds. You don't have enough people, in other words. To, to is it possible to contact the validators to get the keys back? Well, no, they're they're anonymous for a good reason. I don't know who they are. You know, Chad Throat doesn't know who they are. This is partly why the network is decentralized because it's a permissionless system where anybody can become a validator without doxing themselves or identifying themselves or any of these processes and so anybody can join it anybody can leave it and because of that it's decentralized but the, the, the negative of that is that we, we don't have control over it i don't have the ability just to go ahead and take the private keys and move funds i can't do that so you're telling me the funds are lost forever from what you're describing from what you're describing right now it sounds like that is but if you send funds to a to an active address then you can recover your funds if you send to an inactive address, like an old address, then I'm sorry, that, that nothing we can do for you. Yeah, I would say just, just get some help from support off this space. We can somebody can somebody will look at it and help you yeah. confirm what's going on. Yeah, we need to wrap it up here. I gotta go. Dad's gotta go.
We gotta wrap. Been at this for like two and a half hours. So, it's like a good space, though. Yes, sir. Sorry, but um, yeah. Thanks everyone for coming out. Let's. Uh, I, I actually can't do next week. I got. Uh, we got stuff next week. Thanksgiving next week, actually, and then so I guess next one, um, right at the end of November. Two weeks, I guess. Cool. Let's do it. Let's fucking go. See you guys uh, in right. two weeks. See y'all then. LFG. See you.